Yeah, hello everyone. Welcome along to Summer Mornings. Julian King with you. Great to have your company on SEN 1170am in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast and across this beautiful earth via the SEN app. The weather on the listening area today, uh, it's not great, I've got to say. Sydney, max 24, shower or two. Brisbane, a little bit warmer, 28 degrees, tops, showers. And the Gold Coast, tops at 27, partly cloudy also. A chance of showers. So those umbrellas, if you're outside, will get a working today. And if you're on the roads, of course, please drive safely. I'd love for you to participate in the program throughout the course of the next three hours. The open line number 1300 01 1170. And my text line 0457 736 736. This is what is on the menu today. Robbie Quiney will be along shortly to talk cricket. There's lots to discuss. Laurie Horish with the latest on the NFL front. We'll start Laurie early. Because, you know, he likes to talk, 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 Laurie. Looking forward to this, catching up with Jalen Galloway from the Sydney Kings. Uh, Matty Kuderman from the Rhythm Heat's also going to jump on. Uh, being a Thursday, of course, we catch up with David Credich from Ponting Wines. Maestro and Tommy on board as well, and I'd love for you to be on board. Well, we had plenty, plenty of feedback on the text line yesterday about, of course, Adam Fenua Blake's decision to choose the Sharkies over the Dragons. Some Dragons fans are going, oh, dodged a bullet. Others are saying, well, this is a joke. We can't sign anyone. What a basket case of a club. So, you know, both sides of the spectrum. The question now is, of course, where to for Flano and the Red V? And the Telegraph are saying, well, Flano's already moved on, quote-unquote, from the disappointment of missing out on AFB. Adamant there will be other opportunities over the next 12 months. Well, obviously... And we mentioned yesterday it wasn't just for Noah Blake, but they missed out on Tom Dearden, and then it is not official yet, but Junior Ramone's going to have his contract deregistered. And Flano said, well, while missing out on Fanua Blake was a setback, the focus is now on the future. But he's right. He says that's the game we're in. You can only play the cards you dealt. And right now, Cronulla are holding better cards because they're a better chance of playing finals football. They just want to get ready for season 2024. But according to Flano, uh, they've been training the house down, St George Illawarra, and he will flog them. That is for sure and certain. The team has trained at an elite level for eight weeks. We break for Christmas knowing we've achieved our physical performance goals. Well, that's nice to hear. So who are they still chasing? You've got this Cowboys pair, right? The back rowers, Helam Luki and Kulekefe Finofaeke, two potential targets. So there you have... I mean, you know what? I mean, I... Wouldn't mind one of those boom cows back rows. It'd be very, very nice. But, you know, just back to the drags. What else can they say? Yeah, we're disappointed to move on. No point crying about it. You can't change it. Look forward, not back. And that's what I've been trying to say to the Dragons fans yesterday. Stop the whinging. Let's play the hand we're dealt right now. All right? We've got a good coach. It'll take time, but he did it with Cronulla. There's no reason to think he can't do it with the Dragons as well. And maybe one of those back rows will have to go. You can't keep them all. And the thing about it is they've just re-signed, of course, Tom Dearden. Once Chad Townsend retires, he's on pretty big coin. They'll funnel a lot of that money towards Dearden's contract. They'll want to hang on to Holmes. They'll want to hang on to Reese Robson. There's another one that got away Dragons fans. They'll certainly want to hang on to Reuben Cotter. So if you've got to hang on to those three, well, one of their forwards might have to go. And if I can plant my tongue in cheek and be a little bit cynical at the moment, the Dragons are probably buy Luciano Leilua back at a bigger price. And the same papers also are putting Jerome Luai again a no-show at Panthers training. Uh, I don't know what you make of this. Could be something, probably nothing. Penrith will have to wait until the new year to get him back to training. 
Although, I mean, 10-day cooling-off period, we should expect an answer, what, by the end of the week, potentially? Confirmation about the Tigers' move next year? I just want it to be official so we can put it all to bed. and put it all to bed. So Luai was not spotted at the Panthers Rugby League Academy for a third straight day after requesting time off as he struggles with the biggest decision of his NRL career. So Luai, as they piled off the bus, was missing. But importantly, this is the big news, of course, in the rugby league off-season. He's the chief energy officer, as you know, the CEO. In his absence, it was left to 2023 NRL Rookie of the Year, Sunia Taruva, to take charge of the club's giant boombox. Well, thank God we sorted that out. But anyway, it's understood that Luai just days away from signing a five-year, $6 million deal to join the Tigers from 2025. So I just want to see the end of it. Have it all wrapped up in a neat little package by Christmas. To the Big Bash last night. Now, the Perth Scorchers, the best franchise in Big Bash history, freakish, continued their merry way. Dominant nine-wicket win over the Hurricanes. Zach Crawley, the Englishman, in the first of his six-game stint for the Scorchers, he batted beautifully, along with Aaron Hardy, and I've got a massive rap on this kid. As the home team made a mockery of the run chase at Optus Stadium. It's his Big Bash debut, Zach Crawley, 65 of 46, six fours and a six. Hardy, 85 from 45, continuing where he left off from last season. Four fours and five sixes. So they're flushed with all-rounders over in Perth, aren't they? Scorchers, one for 173. That's taken, you know what? Surpassing the target set by the Hurricanes, eight for 172. Chris Jordan was excellent, by the way. He's a player, Aaron Hardy. Remember last year they said, you know, OK, Jules, you know, give us your uh, one to watch for Big Bash 12. They didn't ask me the same question in Big Bash 13. They bloody should have. Dom, I'm looking at you. Because I did say last year the one to watch, Aaron Hardy. So let's just nominate him again. Thumping win by the Scorchers, nine wickets, 23 balls remaining. But a crowd of about 28,000 to 27-2-4-3, was it? At Optus Stadium for Perth. You couldn't be asked going to the Test match to see Nathan Lyon claim his 500 and Australia go one up in the series. No, 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 no. But we'll turn out for the Scorchers. You work that out. You don't deserve Test match cricket, Perth, honestly. Uh, still on cricket, big tour getting underway today for the Australian women's cricket team. They are in India. We've got a new captain, Lisa Healy, new vice-captain, Talia McGrath. So it's a new era for the side. And this match at Wanketi Stadium will be Australia's first test match in India for the women since 1984. So this is really, this is an historic tour. And it warrants mentioning. Having said that, this surprised me. It surprised Lisa Healy, the new captain, as well. So it's a multi-format tour, but unlike the Ashes and unlike what we saw when India toured here, they're not going to have this point system with an overall winner. I find that really odd. I'm a big fan of this multi-format point system in women's cricket because you build to something, you have the overall trophy at the end. So this will be the first of seven matches to be played between these fierce rivals. You've got the Test, three ODIs and three T20s. But it's not a points-based contest. No overall winner at the end of the seven games. Silliness, absolute silliness. So Australia has brought the India-Australia Series Trophy. We need a better name than that, don't we? That was the silverware forged on the 2021 tour. India-Australia Series Trophy. Maybe we can... Also hatched that out in the program today. Better name for the trophy than India-Australia Series Trophy. Think about that. So they claimed the trophy 11 points to 5 last time. But BCCCI, BCCC, BCCI and we'll have a bit more to say about their power in a moment, 
confirmed by them for this tour. Each format will be treated in isolation. So the test, one days, and then the T20s. And, and look, Elisa Healy, being diplomatic, has always told reporters yesterday, when asked if she was disappointed, yes or no, I can see value and merit in making them all separate and sort of well, yeah, so sitting on the fence. Miss, I won't like that. Miss, I won't like that at all. But this is good. And this is what I love about Elisa Healy. She said, on the flip side of that, we've been a part of a few multi-format series where the point system has come into play. It's given the test match in particular a greater context. True. And this might be a little bit cheeky. I would have thought that India would have backed themselves in their home conditions and got off to a 4-0 start, so it does surprise me a bit. Love it. Shots fired, Elisa. That's what you want. Talk it up. Talk it up. Huge watch on Phoebe Litchfield. Everyone knows my massive, massive rap. I'm the young girl from Orange. Looks like she's going to open the batting 20 years of age. So congratulations to her. She will tick off a major item on her bucket list. And the other thing, too, it'll be the first Christmas away for most of these players. It's rare that you get tours at this time of year. I don't think an Australian tourist uh, team has toured India since, what, Bill Laurie, late 60s. It's going to be a spinner's wicket, too. So Ash Gardner, obviously, she will spin. So the question is, are they going to play Jess Donison, Georgia Wareham or Alana King? So a spinner's paradise. And in case you're wondering, why is it a spinner's paradise, Jules? This is where New Zealand spinner Ajaz Patel became the only, only the third man ever to claim 10 wickets in an innings. Kiwi's lost, by the way, got rolled for 62. But anyway, uh, looking forward to that. It all gets underway later today. Um, Usman Kawaja, we spoke to Dan Churney yesterday. And this news came through this morning. Did not have ICC approval to wear a black armband during the first test to mark the plight of Palestinians in Gaza. So now Uzi is open to sanctions from the governing body. And we know that he was told he couldn't wear the pro-Palestinian slogans on his shoes during the match, as he'd hoped to do. Chose to don a black armband through the game. And that, that's fair enough. I mean, armbands are worn routinely by players to mark personal cricketing bereavements and the rest of it. But they still need to get approval from the home board and the ICC's Cricket Operations Department. And there are prohibitions on wearing an item that has a political, religious or racial cause. So the ICC have confirmed that Kawaja had not been given approval to wear the black armband in Perth. They don't know yet whether he'll be penalised. He might be. I hope not. I hope not. Just give him a little slap over the wrist with some wet lettuce to make it all official. But most likely we get a reprimand for it. And we know, we, we talked about it at length on the program last week about the slogan on his shoes, freedom is a human right, all lives are equal, and this is in the Palestinian, Palestinian colours. But he's always stressed to Usman that it is a humanitarian and non-political view. And he was blocked, he indicated he would push to do so in future matches, having worn the shoes in the nets. Because the ICC's clothing and equipment reg regulations say that in determining whether a message is for a political, religious or racial cause, the starting point is that the ICC and its members acknowledge and agree that cricket should be used as a tool to bring people and communities around the world together and not as a platform to draw attention to potentially divisive political issues, rhetoric or agendas. Or which camp does that sit in? So if he just says this is a humanitarian message... What if he came out and said, I'm wearing the black armband for all innocent lives lost? Is that a message to bring people together? Or is it politically divisive? 0457 736 736. Now, I mentioned the BCCI. Sheffield Shield final. Now, this is interesting, and this has been brewing for a while. 
is set to be marginalised further with top Australian players likely to prioritise the start of the Premier League, Indian Premier League season, over the domestic decider. So we know that there's going to have an expanded, or there will be an expanded IPL season. It's got to run from March 22 until late May. We don't know the exact dates yet. So as things stand, the early days of the T20 extravaganza on a collision course with the Shield final, which runs from March 21 to March 25. This is always going to happen. It is the epicentre of global cricket. The BCCI, you know, it's the golden rule. Whoever's the gold makes the rules. We're seeing this further creep, further creep of cricket's biggest nation to dominate the game's finances. So outside of India, England and Australia, basically every nation, they struggle to stand on their own two feet when it comes to test cricket and via these bilateral deals. So what's going to happen? To sustain their boards, well, they're increasingly going to get involved in sort of revenue-sharing arrangements like we see in South Africa. But that's expanded IPL competition towards the back end. Now they're talking about introducing something around the September-October window. So it would actually impact both ends of the Shield tournament. So then what happens? Fringe Australian players, up-and-coming domestic players, have a decision to make. If they have the opportunity to take the riches by playing white ball stuff or play Shield cricket, what are they going to do? Not exactly a Sophie's choice for a lot of cricketers, is it? It's a new reality. I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable. But at the same time, you can't stop it or get Rob Quiney's thoughts on that as well. Uh, Massimo Luongo, this is interesting. News came through yesterday. Soccer's Asian Cup hopes have suffered a blow. So Mass Luongo has announced his shock retirement from international football. He's 31. And we know that he rekindled Massey's soccer's career in October after, well, a huge absence from the national team, mainly due to injury, and that went back to Jan 2019. He plays for Ipswich Town. 45 appearances for the Aussies. And I'm sure, I mean, he was a certainty, was he not, the last maestro of this, to be chosen in Australia's squad for the Asian Cup, and that starts next month in Qatar. But he did say he needed to manage his body. So he's brought down the curtain, Maslowongo, on his Socceroos career. But further to that, it won't then impinge on his club duties. Because right now for Ipswich, he's desperately pushing for promotion of the Premier League. And that'll happen during that tournament. And he came out and said, Mass, look, it's a decision I've, I've t- not taken lightly. I've got to prioritise managing my body as my career goes on. I get all that. It did surprise me a bit, I have to say, considering he'd just come back into the fold. I've loved my journey with the national team, will always cherish the moments I've had in the jersey. But anyway, look, this retirement's going to test the soccer's depth. I mean, you've got six other players, Brandon Borello, Al Mobile, Nick D'Agostino, Ryan Strain, Bailey Wright, a handful of others, all injured, all unavailable for selection. And just reading here, a couple not being considered for selection, Aidan Rustic and Fran Karacic, due to their lack of football at club level. I mean, you've got to pick them, don't you? Anyway, I wish him all the best in retirement. I wish him all the best in getting Ipswich up to the top flight. 0457 736 736. And we saw the AFL quarter final about a British police now called to investigate after a fan confronted a goalkeeper. This is frightening in this day and age, in any day and age. Now, I always think about Monica Seles. This fan ran onto the pitch and confronted Newcastle keeper Martin Dubrovka after Chelsea scored an injury time equaliser. You look at the footage, he broke past security, collided with the Brovka, evaded the same security guards, disappeared in the crowd. So now police and Chelsea have launched an investigation to determine their identity. The problem is there's so many bloody cameras out now.
you're destined to be caught. But it's pretty scary from a player's perspective that anyone can just jump on the pitch. You don't know what they're carrying. 0457 736 736. All right, this is what I want you to have a think about today. Christmas is coming up, as we know. You get a gift under the tree. What would you like? Now, this gift has to be some kind of collector's item. It could be a piece of equipment, some sporting memorabilia, an addition of the man cave or the woman cave. So it could be a, you know, a new cricket bat, an old cricket bat, a footy. It could be a 1966 Dragons jersey signed by the Immortals. Maybe it's a Pete Sampras Wilson Pro stuff. You know, it could be something that you used as a kid that you can't get anymore, that you desperately love again. A Bjorn Borg headband, a Mark Taylor SS Jumbo. 0457 736 736. And the open line number 1300 Uh You get a, an addition to your man cave, something, you know, your weapon of choice, bit of sporting equipment, sporting memorabilia you get to have under the tree. Could be a signed jersey. doesn't matter what it is. What would you love? Fingers crossed, toes crossed, letter to Santa and the rest of it. To me, I'm, I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. I would have for Christmas, and maybe someone in the know can sort this out for me, a signed photograph of Noel Goldthorpe. Dragons, of course, not Hunter Mariners, Noel Goldthorpe. Signed photograph of Noel Goldthorpe. Tommy, can you sort that out for me? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. the open line number. The text line 0457 736 736. Anything you want to talk about on the program today? You know, this creep, this expanding IPL calendar, the shake-up to Red Bull cricket. Happy to get your thoughts on that. And what do the Dragons do now? Happy to continue that conversation as well. Up and running this Thursday morning. Julian King with you on SEN Summer Mornings. You know, I think this is getting legs, and I want Tommy, that's my Christmas request. Use your contacts at the Dragons, get me a signed picture of Noel Goldthorpe. I want this to happen, I'm not joking. A signed picture of Noel Goldthorpe. Your Chrissy Griff, gift, something for the man cave or the woman cave, you know, an old tennis racket, an old cricket bat, a signed jersey, whatever you want. What would you like? To the open line we go, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Morning to you, Warrior-holic. Good morning, you mate. Compliment to the season. Likewise. Um... Just uh, listening to your discussion here on the IPL and the potential impact on Australian cricket going forward, that I, I liken it to what we've seen with the All Blacks over the past five years, which the Australian public might not be aware of. The Japanese have started letting um, more non-capped international players be on the field at the same time with their top league. So they've started to recruit all of our young guys before they even make the All Blacks. And it's had a massive impact on our domestic teams like our NPC um, here, which is a step below Super Rugby. Yep. It's just complete rubbish. You're getting two or 300 people to the game. And you see what it's done to the All Blacks over the past five years. Um, it's decimated us, and we've gone from being dominating number one to the middle of the road. And for me, I've seen Aussie as a benchmark in cricket as long as I've been alive. And it'll start happening, and all of a sudden you go from having two or three players in each position having maybe one. You know, it's, it's a scary thought. It is. So, that you're saying that they can't compete with the money on offer in Japan, effectively? Well, well, what particularly for these younger guys, so it used to be in Japan you could only have three foreign players on the field yeah. at one time in the top. Yep. But now they've changed that to three cap players, but then you can have as many other international, um, international players who haven't played for their country so those young guys are on maybe 150k for New Zealand rugby are going over there on half a million dollars, and they're only playing 12 games a year. Mm. So we can't mm. compete with that. Yeah. The thing about the IPL, I mean, they do limit how many internationals can take the field for any team, but 
you know, then that impact in terms of the domestic uh, market here, well, it doesn't really matter if you're going to expand the tournament. It's not just that. I mean, they've got fingers in every pie. I mean, that ownership in, in the Caribbean Premier League, the South African T20 tournament as well. So basically finding now foreign boards are partnering up with the BCCI because they need that money. Problem is, if you need money to prop up your own board, well, they're going to be at behest of the request of the BCCI. But again, it's, you guys are the ones who are going to be the biggest impact. You look at what they're paying your, your guys in this year's IPL compared to you know the other countries like New Zealand. I think we had one player over a million dollars. Daryl Mitchell, yeah. yeah. Your team's going to be the main target. So I feel for you because it's... Um, you know, your, we, we used to have your, um, you call it the State League cricket on TV here in New Zealand. It was so good. So that's going to start to be impacted. Sheffield Shield. Rough yeah. on the head. Yeah. Anyway, just on my Christmas present, if I could. Yes, um, Sean please. Johnson's retirement jersey from the grand final in 2024. And the Warriors finally win the, win the uh, I'm prepared to wait for it. <laughs> did you get a crystal ball last Christmas, Warrior Hall? Like a working crystal ball. Wouldn't that be special? The 2024 right, Sean Johnson Grand Final winning jersey. Look, if it's not my red V, and I'm sure it won't be, I would love that as the next best thing. Good to hear from you, Warrior-holic. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Merry Christmas. Good on you. And to you, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Let's get the news headlines. Julian King with you. Summer mornings, 0457736736. Want to know what Christmas gift you want? Something to add to the man cave or the woman cave? Bit of sporting memorabilia. Could be a signed jersey. Could be one of your favourite cricket bats as a kid that you can't get anymore. Or a tennis racket. Or some retro clothing as well. Maybe the salmon that the West Indies wore during World Series cricket. I don't think you can get those any longer. 0457 736 736. It is, of course, the cricket season. We're talking plenty of big bash, but this broader issue of white ball cricket and its encroachment in the game on the red ball stuff is very, very topical. We thought we'd catch up with our good mate Bobby Quine. He's on the line right now. Morning, Rob. Good morning, Julian. Geez, we're so close to Christmas, but we've just got an absolute influx of cricket at the moment, don't we? Oh, too much is never enough. I mean, look, that's the thing about cricket. It, <laughs> owns, it owns the summer, Bobby. It owns the summer. Hey, what? as a kid growing up, what was your blade of choice? Or more to the point, when you looked at some of your heroes playing for Australia, did you look at that bat and think, that's what I want? So I was a massive Mark Wall fan, so I had all the Slazenger gear Slazinger. as a kid, including the kit yep. bag, yeah. Mate, I was a, I was a Duncan Fernley. Alan Border was my idol. Uh, yep. And it was the, the black stickers, Duncan Fernley. Uh, that's what I wanted. Um, but what I did get was um, my second favourite player along that track was a Mark Taylor. So it was like an SS Turbo. Oh, I think it beautiful. Was. Uh, one of the early bats that Mark Taylor used. So I was pretty pumped yeah. with that. So not the jumbo, but the turbo. So I had all the... I think um, it was a, I'm sure it was the turbo. Could have been. Could have been. So I had the Slazenger stuff, but I sort of switched out the blade for, funnily you say that, the Duncan Fernie Magnum. It was the most beautiful piece <laughs> of willow I've ever had. Lovely middle. This is back in the day, Bob. You had to... You got the linseed and oiled it. You had to knock it in. I mean... Oh, I love it. I mean... Yeah, they, that's what it was. I mean, the kids today don't know the joy of... Jules, of, I think of oiling up your actually... Bat. I think they're really happy that um, there's not that linseed oil and knocking in process because I do remember vividly, I'm sure you're the same, that you'd be sitting on the couch and everyone's trying to watch TV and you've got either yeah. a cricket ball or a mallet You're doing that. trying to whack that bat so it's ready <laughs> yeah. to go after Christmas. Did, did you have the mallet with the ball on the end? Do you have that one? I ticked them all off, mate. I had old-fashioned, yeah. like the, the um, judge's mallet. 
uh, and I had the ball on there as well. And there was like a, a rubber ball, a cricket. I had, had them all. Um, yeah, they, they were gross. I love those days. So yeah, yeah long good. time ago. And, and, it was, and those are the days you had to earn your sixes, Rob. You couldn't just sort of miss hitting top edge and these things flying out. You know. <laughs> those fence palings, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Boundary ropes, what the hell were they? Uh, gee, Perth were impressive last night, weren't they? They, they looked the team to beat. They are on fire, and I think, you know, they're, they're a serious chance to go three in a row here, and, and rightly so, but I think there were a few others who thinking, you know, it's almost like pre-season in any sport. It's like, oh, we've got a good list, we can do this, we can do that. Um, but the, the Scorchers have come out and actually said, look, we're at top here still, you guys have got to chase us. So it's going to be a lot of hard work for some. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I'll tell you, it was a nice game, Thunder Strikers, the other night. That was that was a really nice, evenly contest game and a, and a super yeah. chase from the Strikers. Matty Short, geez, he's, he's impressive. Well, he, you know, international honours. Oh, I'm happy to for Darcy Short to Rob. You know how good he was as a striker. His form had just sort of tailed off in, in recent times. So it's nice to see Darcy uh, amongst the runs as well. But, yeah, Perth, you're right, three in a row. Think of that Perth. They just impressed me so much. They just seem to nail their recruitment every time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it may not necessarily be the name as such, but it must be that... When they when someone comes into that environment, they seem to thrive. So, look, I feel like there'd be bigger names who have played in other franchises, but not probably done what their overseas have have done. Laurie Evans spoke on the mic, I reckon, two games ago, and and just spoke. And I know some people just put a bit of mayo on because they're in the team. They're not going to talk down on them, but um, and and talked about how glowingly he thought of Perth and the culture and everything like that. So. You know, hats off to, you know, initially Justin Langer and then now Adam Vogers as he, you know, they continue that culture and winning success. Indeed, that story overnight, the IPL competition, we, we know that expansion's on the table uh, now. You know, if it extends through to sort of that that March period, then you've got to have an overlap with the Shield final. There's also been talk, I think it was in the papers a, a week or two ago, about a, a pre-IPL comp around that sort of September-October period. So this is potentially affecting domestic cricket in Australia at both ends of the season. You can't stop this this creep by the most powerful cricket nation in the world. But, you know, this is a problem that's not going to go away, is it, Robbie, Bobby? And, um, you know, Marcus Stoinis said, well, you yeah, obviously want to play red ball cricket, but I'm a white ball specialist now. So the concern here is that you're losing some of the biggest stars or biggest names potentially in Australian cricket to the riches of the white ball stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think ultimately um, people are going to vote with their feet. And, and by that, I mean, you know, we, we've seen, and I saw Mark Taylor comment about Mitchell Stark, and it's great to see Mitchell Stark's reward now after obviously just sitting out of the IPL for so long. To concentrate and hone in on, on Red Bull from a obviously like a technique perspective, but also um, a workload management perspective. But, um, you know, ultimately, like if you think of this Sheffield Shield, like, I'm pretty confident in the contracts. You know, they can negotiate. Say, yeah, yeah, like I'll, I'll come and play. I've just got to miss two games here um, or one game because I've got a Sheffield Shield final coming up. So I'm sure that they can play that Sheffield Shield final. Um, you know, if there are people who are going... Well, the irony is, is that we've complained that the Big Bash is too long, but the IPL is getting longer and, and people are just, you know, chomping at a bit to get over there. So um, I, I know the money's a little bit different, but there's still a lot of people who would go over for similar money they do in Big Bash uh, for the same amount of time. So, yeah, look, I, this has been happening for years, Jules. I remember back a time when there was a Champions League, which meant that, you know, Victoria, New South Wales or... Um, like a state teams, the top two would go and play off against South Africa's top two teams, New Zealand's top team, India's, you know, IPL. 
yeah. and the IPL teams always won. You know, Cameron White was playing for us. He had to play at Bangalore. Nanez, Dirk Nanez, the same thing. So IPL and, and BCCI are always going to win until there's someone to challenge them, and no one is challenging them at the moment. Yeah, further to that, though, I mean, it's interesting. I heard a, a really good interview with Harsha Boglace a year ago at the LBW Trust function, Rob. And they're still talking about t- T20 cricket, whether it threatens Test cricket. And he sort of had a different opinion. He said it could actually be the saviour of Test cricket. So if you allow, say, for example, what we're seeing in South Africa, right? So they're aligned, the, these, the IPL franchises are aligned with their T20 yep. tournament there. So it's almost like a, you know, a financial arrangement between the two boards and, well, more particularly, Cricket South Africa and, and the broadcaster Super Sport. So if they pour money back into South African cricket, then that actually allows, for example, hypothetically speaking, South Africa to play more bilateral series, which ordinarily they'd lose money on. So so you, you've got to trust that the money filters back into the areas and the programs that it's needed. Like, yep. I, I agree with you, but then, like, that that's where the... the and that's where... And it's not up to the BCCI or the Indian franchises to say, hey, you need to spend this here. That's up to, obviously, the South African Cricket and, and each country's cricket association. I, I think that there's got to be another way that, um, you know, we, we talk about England, Australia um, and India who yeah. seem to have, I guess, they're well compensated. And whether there's opportunities to fill some money back into other countries to top them up and, and almost get them back into a level. So there's one of a performance level and on-field, but we're seeing, like, smaller crowds. So maybe there's less emphasis on having big crowds and more emphasis on TV rights and other ways to skin a cat. But ultimately, you know, potentially we're looking at a, you know, a 2-0 two, two or, you know, 3-0 series win to Australia here already. West Indies historically haven't been great, so there might be another, you know, whitewash there. Um, and, and the fans are voting. You know, you look at the test match in Perth and then you look at the attendance last night at mm. the, per- the Scorchers game, chalk and cheese, absolute chalk and cheese. So, yeah, um, yeah. The, yeah I, I think there's other ways to skin that cat. Sorry, Jules. No, that's all right. No, that's true. Having said that, I mean, the, the, the ratings for Australia-Pakistan were outstanding. I think 900 Metro. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, were, were brilliant. And, and just, just one more thing on this, and I don't want to harp on about it too long, but... Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because do you remember the Proteas? They'd send basically a second-tier team to New Zealand uh, early this year because that tour clashed with the T20 league. So it comes to the point now where you're going to have a raft of players have to decide between the two. You can't juggle all formats. So the days of the all-format player, I think, are starting to dwindle as we see more overlap between the long form and the short form. And what it means from, from an international perspective, so... You know, what you're saying there is, in that, that instance in South Africa, is that people chose to play for that the 2020, T20 comp over their country. And um, I think that's where, you know, like... The problem is with today's landscape, you punish someone, they go off and they don't play again for their country yeah. because they say stuff, I'll just go, I'll earn my cash elsewhere, which is, which is really bad. Um, and that's what I said before, if there's more remuneration within the um, international game for countries, then there might be less case of that. There are always going to be one or two that go. Um, but if you, and it's whether it's test cricket or T20, I think one day cricket's the one that's always seemed to be under the pump. But we saw an amazing World Cup tournament just gone yeah. this year, you know, only a couple of months ago. So um, something does have to give from a schedule perspective. I think the shorter formats are the, the appetite that society wants and a lot of players want. So that's probably sticking around for the next little bit. How it affects test cricket. Um, we've seen, you know, the baseball and the more aggressive approach to test cricket. That's going to help a little bit. Um, but I think society's. Uh, idea that every test match has to come down to the last 
you know, five overs and be a thriller. If they can be more realistic and, and appreciate Test cricket for what it's for, that might help a little bit too. I think people at the end of the day just want meaningful contests, Rob. Mate, we're fast running out of time. We could chat all day. Just a quick word, Boxing Day <laughs> test. I think is I don't know if you've spoken yet, but Matt Page, I think, was due to address the media today. Uh, what sort of pitch from what you've seen this year can we expect for, for Melbourne, do you think? So the last two Shield games have had a, a little bit sort of like um, more bounce, but slightly inconsistent. So I know, speaking of Pagey, the one thing that he's been trying to do over the last couple of years, and I think he's done it pretty well, is is get us a, a tiny bit more pace and, and definitely more bounce. And, and we're not talking about Gabber or Wacker bounce, just bounce that, you know, hopefully... You know, not on day one. There's going to be multiple balls bouncing to the, you know, to the keeper on the way through. So uh, that's what we want. Hopefully, a little bit for the, you know, the seamers in the first day. It'll be pretty flat for day two or three, and then maybe a little bit turn uh, come sort of four or five. It'll definitely be a wicket that suits the Pakistan team more than more than the one at off the stadium. That's for sure. But um, yeah, I think we're trying to get more bounce out of this wicket. Um, and he's done a hell of a job. I think the wicket last year was pretty good. So I'm pretty confident in Pagey that um, the wicket he's going to get up is going to be, you know, it's going to be good. Don't, I wouldn't, as I said, I wouldn't expect bounce like Gabber and, and, and WA. I wouldn't expect spin like SCG. I'm just thinking like a nice little in-between. I think that's where we're at. Yep, it's the best seat in the house, isn't it? The day after Christmas Day. Always good yeah. to catch up, Bobby. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and the rest, and we'll speak soon. You too, Jules. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. There he is, uh, former Aussie cricketer Rob Quiney. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more. Always good to get the thoughts of Rob Quiney. You're talking about Christmas gifts on the program today. Something for the man cave or the woman cave. A bit of retro sporting equipment, a signed jersey, anything like that. Yeah, that Sampras Pro Staff was a gorgeous tennis racket. Even the one that Ed Berg used. Just in the pre-Federer days. Best tennis racket of all time. Then I'll go back even further. The Jimmy Connors Wilson T2000. Dragons need front rowers at Bend the Line, yeah. Although apparently, apparently 904, Blake Laurie's dropped a few more kegs. TT HD, turning the house down. Uh, Steve says, I've got no pity for Dragons fans, Jules. They're always too quick to turn on the club. At least Parramatta fans tackle the start of each year with fanciful, disillusioned optimism and we're well practice at it. Thank you very much. Now, this is fantastic news. The Matildas have sold out their Feb 28th Olympic qualifier against Uzbekistan at Marvel Stadium. Their 12th consecutive home match sellout. They are the Australian team at the moment, aren't they? Marvel, by the way, capacity of 53,359. Do you reckon if they took it to Optus Stadium, they sell it out? No, 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 no. Morning, Jules. The Boris Becker boom, boom tennis racket I'd have, Matt. I'm just trying to think there, Matty. Boris Becker, from memory, and I know he's not on Nick Kyrgios' Christmas card list at the moment, or ever, for that matter. He used a Volkl. Do you remember the Volkls that had the V and then the inverted V? So it almost like a diamond shape. Pretty sure he used the Volkl. Beautiful. And it was that sort of bottom-heavy shape. It was a wonderful serve volley, a great player. Uh, OK, Jules, why didn't Usman write anything on his shoes during the ashes for the Ukrainian-Russian war? That all lies matter, says Tiger Davo. A lot of people make this point, Tiger Davo, and it doesn't fly. It's like saying, OK, if I donate to the Starlight Foundation, you go, well, why didn't you give to the Lakivi Foundation? You know, you don't have to know your colours to the mask for every humanitarian cause to show that you have a heart, Tiger Davo. There's a lot of whataboutism when it comes to these sorts of debates. Thank you. Shagger, as a Rabbitohs fan, what I would like for Christmas is a framed copy of the salary cap breach letter to the Roosters that they finally get. Thank you, Reptile. <laughs> it is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Now, EJ says, uh, easy the 
Pie and Curry Cup. What is the Pie and Curry Cup, EJ? Would you care to elaborate on that? Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes, because it's the Australia-India Trophy. How boring. The Pine Curry Cup. Not bad, EJ. Not bad. This may hurt Jules, says Pedro, but my Christmas gift would be Arthur Beetson's jersey from the 1975 Grand Final. That's fine. You can say it. You know what? You can also have Chang's white boots too, Pedro. You can have Chang's white boots. Bin them. Bin them. Mike Hussey Graphite Ice Bat, says Chase. That's interesting. What about the DK Lily aluminium bat? That'd be a keeper, wouldn't it? No, I'm sorry, mate. You can't use that. And it apparently made the loudest noise in this year. Really, really loud when ball hit. Well, you can't say leather and willow. Leather and aluminium. Um, Jason, I can't read that out. Thank you. Uh, Jules, the one thing under the tree, the AFL ball that Tony Lockett, uh, his record-breaking goal kick, SCG. That's Nick. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Wardy says my present would be the iron bar that was used on Nancy Kerrigan. What a co- Wardy, that's a bit... It's very morbid, Wardy. I think we can do better than that. A certain piece of sandpaper, says John from Harrington Park. Not sure it would be worth that much, though, would it? And I love this green-keeping rooster. He just likes saying this name before the break. Morning, Jules. I'd love one of Mark Prothero's roosters jerseys and Alan Robert Borders Duncan Fernley that he broke the test run scoring record with. I'll take the second. By all means, you can keep Mark Prothero's Roosters jersey here on Summer Mornings. Welcome back, everyone. Second hour of the program. Julian King on the chair on SEN Summer Mornings. Good morning to our friends tuning in on 11.70am in Sydney and SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 16.20 on the Gold Coast. Just ticked over 9.03 north of the Tweed. 9.04, as a matter of fact. And to all our friends tuning in via the SEN app, the text line number... 0457 736 736. Happy to take your calls as well on the open line. 1300 01 1170 with Christmas fast approaching. I just said, okay, if you could have a gift under the tree to add to the man cave or the woman cave. So a nice bit of sporting memorabilia, retro sporting equipment, a signed footy, signed jersey, anything like that, what would it be? Had some really funky suggestions coming through this morning. Uh, my present would be a Steve Gearan Manly jersey. Played two games for Manly, Josh. That's fascinating. That's pretty niche, I've got to say. I love Steve Gearn. As a you know, very young kid, before I really knew the game, I just it's stood out that name Steve Gearn when I left the dogs to come to the Dragons. It was a famous grand final tribe as part of with Greg Brettel. And Steve Gearn, really good attacking player. And good morning to my dear friend Simon McLaughlin, journalist, who is his all-time favourite player, Steve Gearn. So that's interesting. Steve Gearn Manly jersey. I wonder if they're floating around. You have to get in touch with the man himself. In fact, I think I've got Steve Gearin's number. I might flick him a, a text just for you. And just say, Steve, you still got your manly jersey? Chase says the shirt Dave Warner was wearing when he tailed up Joe Root. <laughs> and Brad the Owl, some of this is missing. I'd like what Cronk was on to get him through the 2018 grand final win. Bundle up those painkillers. 0457 736 736. Going to talk NFL with Laurie Horish shortly on the program. And I also need your help too. Because Australia take on India, historic tour. In the women's cricket, they haven't toured there or played there since 1984. The Test match gets underway. New era for Aussie cricket. New captain in Lisa Healy. New vice captain in Talia McGrath. You may have heard in your news bulletins from Phoebe Litchfield, this gun 20-year-old from Orange, who is going to hopefully carve out a long and successful international career at the top of the order. But at the moment, it's called the Indy Australia Series Trophy. That's it. Really unimaginative. So maybe help me come up with a better name for India-Australia Series Trophy. EJ, the first hour, said, what about the Pie Curry Cup? Not bad. Not bad. Not subtle. 
but it makes no mistake as to which two teams are playing, so I don't mind that. 0457736736. Steve, for your Christmas gift, how about the rock that Dick Johnson hit at Bathurst in 1980? <laughs> Where are they now? <laughs> and Jules, I'm a bit of a golf fan, so for Christmas I'd like to be sent... Uh, any, uh, okay. any seat that Paige Spiranak has sat on. Thank you. We're keeping it classy, aren't we, this morning? Keeping it very, very classy. Well done to the Perth Scorchers last night. They are the team to beat in the Big Bash. Very impressive nine-wicket win over the Hobart Hurricanes. Really, really impressive. And uh, Mark Taylor, former Australian captain, got a lot of time for what Tubby has to say. Now, this discussion about, of course, this expanded IPL calendar, what that means for Red Bull cricket when we see overlap with Test Series, but also... What is threatening here in Australia is an overlap with the Sheffield Shield final, for example. So say Victoria make it and Marcus Doinis is available, or Western Australia make it Marcus Doinis is available. But all of a sudden he's got an opportunity to play over in the IPL. What does he choose? What does he choose? It's concerning. It is concerning. And this is going to happen more and more often. This is what Mark Taylor, former Test captain, had to say about the threat to Test cricket. I think Australia have got it right, but that pressure is going to be even greater in years to come. There's already talk about a, a second IPL. There's Dubai leagues, there's American leagues popping up everywhere. Is there a threat to test cricket? Oh, no doubt. There's an ongoing threat to test cricket. Domestic leagues around the world are getting bigger. There's getting more of them, and that obviously is going to put pressure on every nation. It's a problem that won't go away. It's a threat that will keep growing. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Good morning, James. Good morning, Jules. Regarding the Christmas wish, yes. I finally got my shed after years and years and years. It's half done inside. So for my Christmas wishes, six hours of peace and quiet, no disturbance, just sit in the shed. The street is working. I get the TV this weekend. So on Boxing Day, I can sit there in peace and quiet. And when the first ball falls. Turn on SEN, listen to the commentary and crack the first beer and just watch the day in peace and quiet. No one come near me. It sounds I'm... heavenly, James. That sounds absolutely <laughs> heavenly. I mean, that's like the message she always goes on, oh, this needs fixing. I just get told her. All right, I'll do it, but you don't have to remind me every three oh, months. Oh, don't, yeah, 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 don't, don't starve me, don't starve me. The amount of stuff I've, I had to build a bloody, I had to build a bloody set of drawers. Yet. Have you done it yet? No, I haven't done it yet. I'm working. Have you done it yet? Yeah. No, I haven't done it yet. I'll get there. I'll get to it. I haven't forgotten. Yeah, I can't forget Jules. because I've got a two big bloody boxes in my lounge room. Yeah, but yes. Jules, you went mm. the, the other day. Didn't you say your wife texted you that the milk was four days overdue? Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, so, you know, you know, you're at a lost cause if they're doing that to you. Oh, mate. Didn't you read the date on it? I said, no, I just grabbed the milk out of the fridge. I assume it's... I mean, I actually do most of the grocery buying because, I, you know, I've got the flexibility to do so. Didn't even look at it. Anyway, we're not crook. If anything, it's made our gut a little bit stronger, James. Yes, it does. You never die. We drank milk with the cream on top. They've been sitting out in the 30-degree heat during primary school. <laughs> so we're all right. Yeah, eat food off the ground, drink no. from the hose. Yeah, they're too soft these days. Yeah, sleeping lead-painted pots. No worries. Yeah. Bikes and, and no helmet. <laughs> lead-painted lead pots. Burning yeah. hot metal yeah. slide. Yeah. Right. yeah, the old Matchbox cars, they all had lead paint on them too, didn't they, James? 
Yeah, the firecrackers inside them that you can blow them up. No yeah, they were good days. Firecracker day. Uh, Bring back firecracker oh, day. Now I all oh, enjoy your day in the shed on Boxing Day. Have a good Chrissy there, mate. You too, mate. Thank you, mate. All the best. <laughs> Sounds heavenly, doesn't it? Flick on the commentary and SEN, turn the sound down on the pictures. In your shed, got the beer running. I saw an episode of Blue the other day where the dad wanted a new TV. I said, what's wrong with the other... You know, so 56 inches, it's, it's not a big TV anymore. You've got to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is true. Now, back to your text, Joel. I touched upon this in the last hour of the program. Uh, Jules, love the show as usual. Thank you. I grew up in South Africa during the apartheid era. World Cricket and World Rugby Union, plus many other sports for the boycott, placed rightful pressure politically, but the world missed out on some of the greatest players, but more importantly, by harmonious sports integration. It could have started in the 70s instead of the 90s, said Joel. There are always ramifications, aren't there, for these sorts of things? And, and I think about South Africa and some of the great players that we never got to see play more test cricket. You know, Barry Richards, Graham Pollock, who's probably the greatest ever South African cricketer, Graham Pollock. This is a man, too, Joel, that averaged 60 in Test match cricket before his career was curtailed. You know, Bradman, I think, described Pollock as, along with Sobers, as the best left-hander he'd ever seen, and that is indeed high praise. 0457 736 736. Time to chat all things NFL with our great mate Laurie Horish from ESPN. He's on the line right now. Morning, Laurie. Morning. Great to be back on with you. Uh, we were talking about Chrissy Gifts and, you know, memorabilia stuff for the man cave and whatever. If you could ask for one thing, I thought I'd bring this up with you because Dan wants the football Tom Brady threw his last touchdown with. Any idea where that might be? Probably in Tom's house somewhere? Where it might be? Yeah, you'd think it would have made its way to uh, to somebody's house uh, or to his mantle. Um, and, uh, look, I imagine it's a pretty packed mental place that he's got there. Um, I know that his last touchdown pass, uh, unfortunately, Jim was in a losing effort. And um, and of all the names uh, that it could have fallen to, um, considering, you know, the, the the glittering Hall of Famers that he's played with over the years, you think about Randy mm. Mosses and you think about Rob Gronkowski and, and, you know, whilst he's not a Hall of Famer, you know, Wes Welker uh, during his time there, Julian Edelman. Go back further with uh, with some of the the, the the receiving options he had in the early Super Bowl windows, but Cameron Brait, uh, a veteran tight end, being the, the one who grabbed that last touchdown pass, have to be that it, that would have to be perched somewhere on uh, on display at the uh, at the Brady residence. But um, look, I don't know that it's his. Whilst he he cherish it and look upon it, I imagine it's a bit of a poignant one because it was hardly a uh, a dominant showing in that last outing <laughs> against the Cowboys. Now things are getting interesting, aren't they? And speaking of the Cowboys. You know, it was only, what, a week ago we are talking about how well they were playing across all aspects of the game. Maybe they could sneak into that number one seed. And then they just got manhandled by the Bills, a very yeah. impressive Buffalo Bills too, in a game where, we should mention too, Laurie, Josh Allen only had 15 pass attempts. So now the division <laughs> title, uh, you know, still open. The Eagles, uh, the loss against, you know, Drew Locke and the Seahawks. Uh, how do you see the NFC East panning out over the last three weeks of the season? I couldn't have imagined that I would have still had the Cowboys above the Eagles in the power rankings after what yeah. happened uh, against Buffalo, but I do. Um, as bad a defeat as that was uh, to the to the Bills, and really the, the Bills did to the Cowboys what the Cowboys did to the Eagles the week prior. It was very similar in terms of a pill at a post um, dominant performance. Dak probably did a little more and was asked to do a little more than Josh Almos mentioned. You know, seven seven passes, not registering uh, you know triple figures in the passing yardage and only fifteen pass attempts, but 
you don't have to. When James Cook is going for 7.2 yards a carry en route to 200-plus total yards from scrimmage, and it's not just him, Ty Johnson, who was deputising or, or stepping in um, in the backup role there, he had, he's going for six yards a carry. And I was talking about it in the office the other day. You don't need to drop back because, really, the Buffalo Bills, if you're getting over seven yards a pop with one running back and six yards a pop with the guy who's coming in to give him a breather, Buffalo Bills against that Cowboys defence could have had a holding penalty on first down every time. Drop back to first and 20, just run it twice with with, uh, with Cook and run it once with, with Johnson, and it still would have been a first down. You wouldn't even need to get the chain gang out to measure it. So the run defence is a huge problem for the Cowboys. That defence, the ball-hawking um, defensive backs, like likes Deron Bland, who's, who's gained history and fame this season with some great plays. Stefan Gilmore had a great game against the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the pass rush, Micah Parsons, Marcus Lawrence, Osa, Ojigizua, and friends, they play from a lead. They want you to be one-dimensional. They want, you know, they want to get some stops early, Dak and the offense to just get a couple of touchdowns on the board and then force you to be one-dimensional, pass, 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 and then they can tear after you with their pass rushes. They're not built to stop the run when they're giving up a big lead. That's partially by where they've invested. It's also something, that some, you know, some injuries have paid a big part. They're too... Top linebackers are out for the season. Leighton Vander Esch, the veteran, and and a guy who didn't even get on the field but was tearing up um, training camp. Demarvian Overshone, D Overshone, who was a, they had huge tips on him as a as a, a massive rookie con- contributor. Both out for the season, so linebackers in trouble. Hankins, their starting defensive tackle, nose tackle, he's out with a high ankle sprain, and the safety plays dropped off. So you talk about the spine of the defense. The middle part of that defense is just, it's really been battered and bruised and they're not built to, they're honestly not built to stop the run. And that's something that teams like, hey, the Miami Dolphins up next, hey, the Detroit Lions, right after that, they love to run the ball they, and they've got the talent to do it. So big questions to be asked are the Cowboys. They're also the home record is, you know, 15 straight victories and the road record is far from that. And, the, and as their position now, even with the Eagles lost to the Seahawks, they're going to need the Eagles to slip up either against the, you know, frisky Cardinals or tw- in one of two games against, uh, you know, Tommy Cutlet, um, who I also heard the other nickname for him is Marinara Mahomes, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> they're going to need to slip up from the Eagles and they're, not, they're going to need to sweep their way home. And, and I mentioned that's two tough matchups in the next two weeks. Uh, against the Dolphins and the Lions. But I think I have more faith in the Cowboys as a whole unit right now because I think they played to a higher ceiling than the Philadelphia Eagles. For the Eagles, issues on defense galore. You're getting mixed messaging out of Nick Sirianni about who's calling, what scheme, who's the defensive caller. You've got Matt Patricia, the king of the pencil in the air, who's got his hands on some of the play calling now, but he's not calling his scheme. It's very confused there. And, and on offense, as good as their running game is, as strong as the offensive line is, Hertz isn't seeing the field well. They're not un- they're not uncorking much deep. Those deep completions that have been so important for him, um, you know, through his rise and his ascension as a franchise quarterback, they haven't been there, and he's struggling to see the field in the shorter areas. And um, you can see the frustration that's kind of palpable throughout that Eagles passing attack. Two monster cross-conference games this weekend, 49ers, 49ers and Ravens, and I know you like Baltimore. Maybe this is a Super Bowl preview, Laurie. And then Dolphins v... Dallas, uh, your thoughts more generally on cross-conference games so late in the season, and secondly, how do you see them going? I love cross-conference games this late in the season because it does give us a chance to, you know, it's fun when, you know, you're playing division rivals and conference games because it does impact your conference record, your divisional standing, so some of them can almost feel like one-and-a-half games, but when it's 
playoff contenders, it really does give us... It, it's it's not just an appetizer, it's a preview in a really significant way of what these teams could do against the best. Um, and you mentioned, you know, when you're talking about San Francisco and Baltimore, you know, in prime time on ESPN, you mentioned it could be a Super Bowl preview. This was my pick for the Super Bowl. Now I had the, um, my preseason pick was the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the 49ers. And I think if those two went head-to-head, 49ers might be the one giving away some points on the market. But um, in fact, for this game, you've got San Francisco. I'm seeing them at tab right now to $1.44, which is pretty short against a good team like Baltimore. But more importantly is that it gives us an opportunity. We've seen what San Francisco have done against Dallas, against the Eagles, supposedly the cream of the crop um, in terms of uh, other NFC contenders. But Baltimore are a really talented defense with playmakers at every single level, and they're well-coached and they're well-schemed. And they can, they, they are diverse and they can be aggressive and they can throw different looks at you. This gives us a bit of a blueprint. How can the best, um, the best defenses out there, how can they throw something at San Francisco that perhaps other people in the NFC, maybe they don't have the talent of a Baltimore, but maybe there's some ideas there, some disruptive ideas and schematics that they can learn from. I think this is a fantastic test, um, against both these, you know, two teams that have undoubted Super Bowl aspirations. And on the other side of the ball, what do Baltimore throw at the San Francisco defense to keep them on the back foot? What can Lamar Jackson do? What can uh, the still somewhat unheralded but improved passing game, um, what can they do, the passing weapons there, to challenge the San Francisco 49ers defense? That I think the Cardinals showed a little bit that, look, they were, they were outplayed, they were outhandled, but they kept this thing with one score. And I think the, the, the misdirection, the motion... I'm calling it eye candy that they threw at the 49ers defense just to keep them on their back foot a little bit. It gave us a little little preview of what teams perhaps could do to try and do something uh, to slow down the, the 49ers defense. Um, so more of that interesting stuff to follow. And I'm happy we get these cross-conference matchups at this point. It does get... I don't love looking at a schedule and seeing, oh, Philadelphia and New York play each other twice in three games. Uh, it, it, it feels too close. Um, and, and I'd like to see those contests and those teams play each other at different points of the season when rosters are in different states of health. And just lastly, very quickly, Laurie, you've got the wild card race on as well. Uh, a couple of big games this weekend, Saints, Rams, Bengals, Steelers, Colts, Falcons. Can you see any surprises in these matchups? I think there's so much pressure on that Falcons team. I would, I'm happily leaning towards Indianapolis in that one. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on the Falcons team. But the way that division has gone, NFC South, um, it's um, it's the the heat is on that head coach uh, with what's happened on offense, what's happened with the weapons they've invested in, um, and I think you know the Falcons have already had some slip ups. Big one last week against the Panthers. Um, they let that division get out of you know get out. They've slipped off the pace already. Um, I think that could be causing a big 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 conversation um, in that franchise around head coach Arthur Smith. And, you know, looking down, you mentioned some of those other playoff permutations there. You know, what can Minnesota do to, against Detroit? Minnesota is still in this thing. Um, and they've had some quarterback moves and changes, but uh, Detroit, super impressive. Can they stack? Um, they play, this is another time, they play Minnesota twice in the next three weeks. Can Detroit, returning to form, stack some wins on wins on wins? And can they be the team that emerges and says, hey, you know what? Um, not only do we handle someone familiar in Minnesota and, and bring their season to an end prematurely for them, but maybe we're the, the best threat uh, to knock off the 49ers and the NFC side of things. Comprehensive, as always. Thank you, Laurie. Always good to chat. Always a pleasure. Thanks. There is Laurie Harris from ESPN talking all things NFL. We'll take a break. Reset things on summer mornings. 
He had a wow of a game against the Jackers the other night. Going to catch up with the birthday boy from the Sydney Kings, Jalen Galloway, shortly on the program. Joel says, Jules, the racket that Bjorn Borg used, the Dono. Yeah, that Dono pro so sought after as a youngster. Talking about sort of retro Christmas gifts, sporting memorabilia. Could wrap it, put it under the, the Chrissy tree. What would you like? I don't mind that. And remember, and then he retired, the great Bjorn Borg, then came back, what, Oh, 10 years away from tennis, it was 1990 or somewhere thereabouts. So, you know what, I want to play, I just got this urge to play tennis again. Came back, he was he was overweight, he was unfit, and he still used the wooden racket, everyone had moved on. And he got absolutely blown off the court, Bjorn Borg. One of the all-time greats. You know, he looked like tennis player then, didn't he? You think about, you know, Vilas and Gerald Itis, you know, the headbands along, they just look like tennis players. Very good. Thank you, Joel. The Bjorn Borg Dono. Now, with regards to this trophy between Australia and India, uh, fellas, says Sharky Day from Bundina, I thought it was the Border Gavaska Cup. Well, that's in the men's. We're talking about the women's because it gets underway tonight. Margaret, I like this. Ladies or women's Indian series should be for the Clark Aduji trophy. So Belinda Clark, Diana Aduji. Like it. As you have Border Gavaska and, you know, Warren Murali and, and acknowledging the past greats of the game. Excellent suggestion. Thank you for that, Margaret. Jules says Matt, you're with me with versing, you're with me with H. What's the view on defence or D? The word in Australia is defence, please. Yeah, look, it is defence, but I understand that when you, you know, in American sport, they refer to it as, as D, you know. So if you're talking to Laurie Horridge, for example, about NFL, you say, well, the defence. I'm okay with it, Matt, I've got to say. I don't say it. So in rugby league, I go, oh, that's a good defence. But even the players now, oh, gee, I love, you know, I love Penrith's D. I love Penrith's D. I said, no, no, it's called defence. They defend well. Yes, I know. I, I, yeah, you know what? Notionally, I'm with you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, Stuart says, Jules, it wouldn't surprise me if Australia play all four spinners, take into account the amount of all-rounders in the team, even if it is at the expense of Brown and Shooter. I wouldn't mind some pace. I wouldn't mind some pace. So Megan Shoot could be the one to make way. Could go on the test with just Perry and Sutherland as their quicks. Well, yeah, well, I mean, obviously... Ash Gardner's going to be one. I'd probably go, I'm a big Alana King fan. You know, someone quick through the air in those conditions can turn it too. It'd be a fascinating watch, though. A really, really fascinating watch. And G'day, Jules, the GM maestro. Stephen Roger used one of those, didn't he? He had the Simmons Tusker and then moved on, I'm sure, to the GM maestro. Christmas at the age of 14, uh, went left, got the boogie board, should have went hard right and got the piece of willow. Regards, Keefe George. Good to hear from you, Keefe George. Gun and more maestro. I don't know if anyone in international cricket still uses a gun and more, do they? But now they basically just get the bats and they whack whatever sticker they want on the front. They're just billboards, these bats. And Steve from Warwick Nabil. Morning to you, Stevie. Further to your chat about blades just now, two questions. Which company makes the unstickered bats and is it only people with bat contracts that sticker the bat? Gavin Robertson, who we spoke to on the program uh, on, when was it, Monday we spoke to Robbo? And he talked about when he went on that India tour, late 90s. Uh, Friday it was, uh, late 90s. How they loved the bats coming out of those various factories in India to the point where the boys would just use those bats, peel the stickers off their originals and stack, stick it on. That's not uncommon. You find the blade, just whack the sticker on the front. And this one here, before the news headlines, uh, Jules says, Dragonfire, life-size cutout of Kevin Candos Ryan. There was a player, Kevin Ryan. He went to the dogs after that, didn't he? Either that, I'll see you, Kevin Ryan, Dragonfly, and I'll raise you a, uh, a Bluey Wilson. How about that? 
And one of those ones, it's like the old conscription posters. It doesn't matter where you stand in the room, it always looks like it's looking at you. 0457 736 736. Your retro Christmas gifts, your sporting memorabilia, you want to unwrap something Chrissy Day under the tree. Could be an old piece of equipment, could be a, a signed jersey or a football or anything like that. Let us know in the open line number 1300 01 1170. Let's get the latest news headlines. Talking about your Christmas gifts today, piece of retro sporting equipment, some kind of memorabilia that you'd love to unwrap on Christmas Day under the tree. We had somebody talking about Michael Jordan's uh, jersey as well from that Game 6 for the Chicago Bulls. That'd be a nice one, wouldn't it? That'd be an absolute keeper. Maybe you could get a Jalen Galloway jersey, particularly after his starring performance against the Jackies the other night. We've got the Kings taking on the Breakers Friday night, 5.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time at Spark Arena. We had fired the other night, and this kid is a rising star of basketball. Watch him closely. Not so much a kid, though. Not so much a kid, because today is Jalen Galloway's birthday. Born December 21. It's his lucky birthday, Jalen. As you say, good morning to you. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it for having me. Okay. You know what? I've got Alex on the buttons to dig this up. This is a dedication to you, Jalen. <laughs> yes. Never too early for a bit of Stevie Wonder, mate. Many happy returns. Uh, so close to Christmas. Uh, well, I can think of what would be a nice birthday slash Christmas present. What about the Kings, Jalen? Nine, six, 15 games this season. You know, you have been the hunted the past couple of years. Chase has moved on. You've got a new coach. Uh, things are always going to be a bit different. Uh, how do you assess the start to the season so far? Um, I feel like it's a good start. I mean, obviously, you know, not... Not where I feel like we want to be, but, I mean, it could be worse. You know, we could have a negative record, but, I mean, I feel like we're in a good place right now. So when we're still just just trying to figure out what the little things we need to work on and see if we can work on those. And I'm glad you mentioned that because what I like is the Jack Jump has been really impressive. And the last few times you played them, they've had your number. You starred for the Kings. You came off the bench, 22 points, three rebounds, two steals. So what did you learn, I guess, from the last couple of times you played them that you did differently to get the win? But not just the win, but a win so comprehensively. Yep. I mean, the last the last two times they played us, I feel like they just they out-hustled us. They just played harder than us. So... Our mentality going into that game was also on the defensive end, and just don't let them punk us on the um, punk us on uh, during the game, and just play all 40 minutes. So I love that. Don't let them punk us. <laughs> I can imagine the, the the pre-match dressing room. Don't let them punk, and they didn't, and they didn't. You, Jalen, one of the brightest young talents early this year, committed your long-term future to the NBL. Three-year deal with the Kings. So easy decision for you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Kings is uh, my first professional team, so I had I had no uh, no thought. Just definitely sign that right away. Was uh, just staying with the club uh, I love the most. Originally from Townsville, it, it's funny, isn't it? When a lot of players from New South Wales or other states move to Queensland, they seem to become unabashed Queenslanders. You know, proud Sunshine State residents. You're from Townsville. Now you've carved out a home here in Sydney. Do you see yourself as, as a, a boy from Queensland or are you a, an out-and-out Sydney-sider now? I might have to say Sydney. I don't, I don't really remember too much when I was born in uh, Townsville, so I'm, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to say Sydney. That's what we want to hear. Now, you know, not to pump up your ties too much, Jalen, there has been some whispers... Uh, Matty Logue, I think, wrote an article on the papers that you could be named in Brian Gorgian's Boomer squad 
for February's Asia Cup qualifying games against Korea and Indonesia. So two-part question, what would that mean to you? And, and has anybody had, I guess, Gorge or, or somebody had conversations with you about potentially playing for higher honours? Um, I mean, it's always an honour playing for the, um, the green and gold, but... Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know that about that article you just told me about. I mean, and uh, no, I haven't heard from anybody. But, I mean, if it does happen, I mean, I'll definitely be excited about it. The Kings are going to play their second annual Christmas Day match. You know, it's sort of a... And that's the thing about the NBL. They've made this spot their own on the calendar. It's sort of that one day where other sports have avoided. You've got to take on the Illawarra Hawks, 7.30pm, Kudos Bank Arena. You didn't play in last year's Christmas Day match. Is it one of these things that you think, OK, this is a chance here to to, I guess, you know, get some clean air for the sport in Australia, or are you still sort of in two minds about playing on a day like Christmas Day? Um, I don't mind playing a day uh, on Christmas Day, but I, it might be different for guys that have family. So, I mean, but I think, I mean, it's a later game. So, I mean, Christmas, when you spend time with family, it's usually in the morning. So I, don't, I don't mind a little later games on a Christmas Day. <laughs> you know, some people will say they love it because they can only deal with their families about lunchtime, then they've had enough of them, yeah. Jalen. <laughs> yeah. uh, second on the ladder at the moment, the Kings, and you're taking on next the uh, the Breakers. Now, of course, you met the Breakers in the grand final. Not, not the same returns that they've had, of course, in past couple of seasons, but it's always going to be a tough encounter. Yeah, for sure, definitely. I mean, they still, they still play the same. Not, uh, they don't have the same guys, but they always... They always play hard and compete and always giving their best out there, so it'll be a good game. And we've been talking on the program today, Jalen, you know, unwrap a Christmas present. Is there something, you know, as a kid growing up watching the game, like a piece of memorabilia or something that you'd love to own, you know, maybe a ball that was used in a particular game or a jersey that was worn or a pair of sneakers? So Christmas Day, this would be a beautiful thing to have in my room or in the man cave in the trophy cabinet. Can you think of anything that you'd love to own? Um, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I'm not sure. It definitely, is... definitely have to be some type of jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? And that's the thing. We're seeing all these sort of, you know, rugby league teams and AFL teams exchanging jerseys with, you know, yeah. Steph Curry and the rest of them are thinking, you know, well, that yeah. should be you. Happy birthday, my friend. Uh, hope you have a great day. What's what's on the agenda today? You're training? You're just going to have a relaxing day, hang out with friends and family? Um, I'm actually at the airport right now because we travel to New Zealand today and we play tomorrow. Oh, Okay, okay. Well, I hope they look after you and hopefully the birthday present is a win against the Breakers and you take them on Friday night, uh, tomorrow night, 5.30pm, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Sparky Arena. Jalen Galloway, best of luck. Happy birthday, my friend. Thanks for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you. I appreciate it. Here he is, Sydney Kingstar, Jalen Galloway. He's a 21 today. But what about that? Off the bench, 22 points, three rebounds, two steals, if you don't mind. And talk that you know, it could be named, in, and he said he hadn't sort of read that article, but it has been suggested, could be named in Brian Gorgian's Boomer squad for February's Asia Cup qualifying games against Korea and Indonesia, and that would be just reward. 0457 736 736. Uh, Matt says, Jules, when I was coming through grade cricket in the 90s, all the first-class players were basically using re-stickered Miller Camp and Hall bats, or Miller Champ and Hall bats. Yeah, that's right. Um, Michael, Michael Bevan used one of those. In the 2000s, the same happened with a New Zealand company called Laver and Wood. I remember Laver and Wood too. Uh, thank you for clarifying, Jules. Uh, Benny Stokes is, of course, he does. He's a gunner Morris. Does Young Jack Edwards? He spoke to yesterday. I, you know what? If you'd asked me, I wouldn't have told you in a million years what bat Jack Edwards used. But Ben Stokes, hundred percent correct. You'd be a few more too.
Statsy, for bizarre sporting memorabilia for the Man Cave, how about Kevin Curran's racket he used in his losing Wimbledon final to Boris in 85? The reason why it was the last wooden racket used in a Grand Slam final. Fun fact from you, Statsy, always coming with something fresh and interesting. Is that right? The last one, Kevin Curran, South Africa. You know, that's interesting. I, I could be... A, Mistaken. I remember having this conversation with Jimmy about a year ago because he remember the big cat Millerstaff Machir. He's called a Machish, the big cat. I was under the impression I'd need to research this now that he used a wooden racket, but it looked like a graphite racket. So it wasn't the old sort of heavy wooden handle, small headed Donay that Donay Pro that Bjorn Borgrus used. But I thought Millerstaff Machir used a racket that, as I said, looked like a big graphite racket, but was made out of wood. I could be wrong. Could be way off the mark. Memory sometimes escapes me. And a Julian King signed microphone would be a dream come true. 397. You've got to dream a bit bigger than that. 397. Mars. Eels Mars. On the back of the previous call re-boxing day test, unless we have a family event, my boxing day routine is as follows. Full rights to the rumpus room at a big TV. Check. Family banned from this area from stuffing my beer fridge with things. Check. Family must not talk to me, ask me any questions or even look at me. Check. First ball equals first beer. Lunch will be Christmas meal leftovers. Ah, the serenity. See, this is the thing about us blokes, Eels Mars. We don't ask for much in life. He just said, all we want is just a bit of downtime, television, a beer, just to watch a bit of cricket. That's all. That's all. doesn't cost you anything. I'm with you. Yes, and refer to Rule 1. If you're not sure, I'll refer you back to Rule 1, which is family banned from the area and from stuffing my beer fridge with things. Full rights to the rumpus room of the big TV. It sounds heavenly. Good on you, Eels Mars. Enjoy your Christmas and indeed enjoy your Boxing Day. Just one more show before Christmas. We'll do that tomorrow. I've got to think too about a Christmas song, which we're going to play at 11 o'clock and 10 o'clock in Queensland. I've chosen nothing but bangers this week, as you know. I had to give myself a rap you know, from Chris Rea, driving over Christmas. Can't remember what we did on the Tuesday, gents. And then yesterday, oh, yes, that's right. Santa never made it to Darwin by Bill and Boyd. Then yesterday, last Christmas by Wham. Got another classic, and I can guarantee you it will not be. Mariah Carey. one 1170 the open line number. You're on Summer Mornings. Paramet says, Jules, as you know, I'm normally a fair-minded, even-handed guy, but if you're not playing Paul Kelly's gravy song today, that'll be a massive fail. It's not a five-star song. It's not a major award-winning song. It's not necessarily a banger, but today's the day you have to play Make Gravy. Yeah, well, I was going to Paramet, but they played it in breakfast. So I won't play that, but thank you. All right, let's throw the coins on the table. Hello, Tommy Two Cents. Morning, Jules. Maestro, all the listeners out there, great to be part of the show once again. You'd take an Arthur Beetson side jersey from 75, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I would. There's a, yeah. there's a... You know what? I would too, and I'm a Dragons fan. Yeah, there exactly. Um, there's some more, though, that I would also take. I'd take Brad Fittler's bloody jersey from the 2002 NRL Grand Final. Where he got yeah. hit on the ground in the head. Um, Villa, Villa the Gorilla. Mm-hmm. That's a Villa Sandy. Yeah. Michael, I don't know if we mentioned it off air, but Michael Clark's sponsorless bat that he got 329 <laughs> yes. not out against India, 2011 yeah. 2012 series. People forget as well. I think um, Ponting, Punter got 150. Got 100 odd, that test too. Yeah. And Michael Hussey got about 150 odd yeah. as well. It was just phenomenal. And I think I think that was Sean Marsh's first home series. And I think and he played every single test. So played eight innings, and I think his highest score was like four or five. Huh. Wasn't great. <laughs> Series for Sean Marsh. Boom or bust, Sean, or uh, Sean Marsh. Yeah. looked like a world beater. Exactly. Yeah. Mitchell Johnson's ball from his seven for 40 figures against yeah. uh, England at Adelaide Oval. Adelaide. 
Right, and for that, that batter's deck, to him to get that out of that pitch oh. was phenomenal bowling. Cop that stare, buddy. Another cricket oh. one, Pat Cummins' ball from the Manchester Test, fourth test against Joe England. Root. The jo- yeah. yeah, where he gets Joe Root just top off. You know how there's certain deliveries that you can just watch on loop? That's one of them. So oh, you yeah. think about Warney's ball of the century, that is one of them. You know, a typical Cummins ball, just straight and top of off, you know, a little bit of seam. It's just, it is gorgeous. 100%. And then last one, back to rugby league, another Roosters yeah. one. Braithen boots oh, from, on. from week one of twenty ten of 2010 finals. Um, Out of everything, against, against the Braithen boots. Against the West Tigers, where he kicked the field goal. Roosters down 15 points to two. He kicks a field Man. goal right on full time to send it to overtime. I mean, that, that I was is... at the game live. Oh, so just give me Braith's right, give me Braith's right boot, and I'll gladly take that, please. That was one of the best games I've ever seen. Phenomenal. Yeah, it was amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I look at that game and I wonder what career Simon Dwyer could have had if he didn't have all that, you know, uh, the back yeah. injury. Well, um, football. I mean, he would have been sent off. If, it was, if that game was played in 2023 for that hit on Hargraves and we would have got a penalty and then just kicked it in front. And that would have been game over then. Yeah. Hey, what about Steve? Beetson's power jersey worth more than anything from the Roosters. You know Steve's a mad Parramatta fan. Yes. Well, of course, he did get plucked from Parramatta Reserve Grade to play the inaugural Origin in, in 1980. Maybe his first ever Origin jersey. Not sure his power jersey's worth as much as the 75 Roosters GF jersey, Steve, but we beg to differ on that front. It's an interesting topic, though, isn't it? Some funky ones coming through today. Like, I love this, you know, the Bjornborg Donay racket. Not did I think at any moment that somebody had mentioned a Bjornborg racket, but yet here we are. And how are you going to, by the way, in your campaign to secure me a signed Noel Goldthorpe picture? Um, I'm just, I'm ringing, ringing non-stop this morning. You haven't, you, you, I mean, my phone's been going off the hook this morning. Uh, Jules just trying yeah, to sort yeah. this out for you. I might actually have Goldie's number. I'll just check it. I'll flick it to Goldie. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. But like an action shot from the playing days. And if it's Hunter Marinez, I'll burn it. Yes. Um, Jules, can I just bring out one more thing? It's got to do with your Dragons again. So I'm going to continue to kick them when they're down. Can I? So um, Jack Wellsby overnight. So, re- yes. re-signed with St. Helens. I wasn't going to mention this, but I yeah. thought if anyone does, it's probably you, Thomas. So, go ahead. Jack, for all our listeners out there, Jack Wellsby, who's a, a great player, one of mm. probably Super League's best star for England, can play fullback 5'8". He's been in the sights of the Dragons. Shane Flanagan's spoken about how much they'd like to get, the, to get him in the next few years. Well, he's just re-signed with St. Helens um, until the end of 2027. Now, this was brought up by Mike Mihor Wood, who's a writer for The Raw on Twitter last night. And he brought up the quotes that Shane Flanagan said a few weeks ago when he tried to sign um, Jack Wellsby. And he goes, and I'm quoting Flano here, he goes, he is a super talent with attacking brilliance. We know there will be a lot of interest when he comes off contract, but we might have to push now to see if we can get him. In the World Cup, he was outstanding. Even Benny Hunt said he was hard to handle when Australia played them. Australia never played England at the World Cup. So my thing with with the Dragons is, and Flano, if you're going to be really uh, motivated and push for your recruitment at the club, make sure you get it right. Because Jack Wellsby would have seen those comments and say, I never played Ben Hunt. I never played Australia. So what are they talking about? And I think he also said, Jack Wellsby, uh, we, we want to win something. Thank you, Tommy. This is Christmas.
song after all these years isn't it war is over if you want it very merry christmas john lennon and yoko ono so that is our christmas bang up today one more tomorrow before we say uh, merry christmas to all our listeners been a hell of a year been a hell of a year welcome back everyone finally on the program julian king of the chair on sen summer mornings on 1170 a.m in sydney senq 693 in Brisbane, 16.20 in the Gold Coast and via the SEN app. Uh, Big Bash action continues tonight. The Renegades and the Brisbane Heat. So the Gades went down to the Sixers. Then they had that no result against the Scorchers. The Heat have gone win, no result, win. So they're desperate to get off the board. We'll get off the zero points at the moment. Well, not a zero because they got the one for the, the no result. But get their first win of the season at the Renegades and that is under the cover at Marvel Stadium tonight. We'll hear the coverage live right here on SEN. We're going to catch up with left arm tweaker Matt Kuhneman shortly on the program. So looking forward to that. You've redeemed yourself, Jules. Tears in my eyes. It must be dusty, said Paramount. Thank you very much. So it's school holiday time at the moment, as you know. So my son's got his mate Kobe over. And I just walked out. Didn't even know he entered the house. Just him and his mate sitting on the couch playing, well, on the iPad, whatever games they play, Roblox, I think they play these days, these kids. The good thing about it is, you know, mates are the best, the best, best babysitters. And we got this watermelon, because, you know, watermelon, quintessential summer fruit, along with the mango, although the, the cyclones and things in Queensland have got to hike up the mango prices rather sadly. But I bought the whole watermelon, much better value. After all these years, I'm still not much chop at, at getting that first cut of the whole watermelon perfect. Normally go to the shops to get the wedges and down straight down the line, cut the triangles and happy days. But sort of to get the, that first stab of the knife in, you need the big knife and, you know, to work the way around. Every time I split it, it's never two perfect hemispheres. It's always jagged in the middle. So if anybody's got a tip to cut whole watermelons, I'm all ears. 0457 736 736. And Christmas presents, retro gear, all of that kind of stuff. We're talking about that on the program today. Having a lot of fun as we try and lighten the mood as we head into Christmas. Uh, Scotty says, Jules is a Magpies fan. Arthur Summons jersey from the 1963 grand final would be nice. Yes, absolutely. Of course, the Dragons won. But that famous Gladiators photo there. And don't start me on Darcy Lawler. I said that, you know, the fix was in. He had money on the Dragons. But... You know, the counter to that, because people that always bring that up with me, so, well, I'm reading a lot of reports and anecdotal stuff at the time, so, well, they went through it. They didn't see any outrageous decisions. I'll leave it at that. Stingray for Christmas, Jules. Now, you're going to make me sad here, Stingray. I'd get back my Shane Warne hat-trick card. I got it signed by Warney. Then I sold it to an SCG ice cream boy for 25 bucks. What year was this, Stingray? Factoring in inflation and the rest of it, 25 bucks, a signed Shane Warne card, and then a signed Damien Martin card could also used to fetch, could also be used to fetch top dollar with uh, the young ladies in the ladies' stand. What do you reckon it was easy on the eye, Damien Martin? Hey, 
But the Shane Warne hat trick card. So you've got to be careful. I've got all the, you know, the. I've got so many cri- uh, cricket autographs. I'd be buggered if I know where they are. Sort of wedged in books and stuff. I, I know I've got Tendulkar's somewhere. That was from his, his very first tour. When he was, what, 16, 17, such. And, and couple Dev on top of that. But your Shane Warne hat trick card. We could, that could be another topic of conversation for another day. You know, your regrets, your sporting regrets. You know, declaring at a certain time if you're captain, for example. I, I don't know. Sporting regrets. But I feel for you, Stingray. You sold your Warney hat-trick card, signed Warney hat-trick card to an SCG ice cream boy for 25 bucks. Did he give you a free Magnum or something? Maybe jump on eBay, see if it's not up there. I'd be curious to know what it fetches now. But obviously with the great Shane Keith Warn having passed, the value of these things inevitably rise. Tradesmen don't blame their tools, Julian. You're to blame for an uneven cut. No, you're probably right. I'm just, I'm not blaming my tools, Queensland Chets. I'm not blaming my tools. I'm just blaming my technique. So if there's a way to get a smooth, perfect cut in the whole watermelon, let me know. Maybe I need a bigger knife. Morning, Jules. is a Canberra Raider supporter. The number 20 jersey Steve Jackson wore on the 89 grand final. We fended off five would be... Five would-be defenders to settle a premiership, the dying minutes. That was beauty, wasn't it? Unheralded Steve Jackson. Then, of course, went on to play State of Origin for Queensland. Still a great grand final. I would love Johnny Bairstow's stumping balls, says Redman. Kerry Sprangeranger. I would burn it to ashes and polish it with sandpaper. Ha-ha, sucked in. I don't know quite what to say to that, Redman. Suffice to say that, well, winners are grinners. Not that they won the series, of course, but they didn't lose it, more importantly. Okay. So know where your allegiances lie. Now, Tony, the ball I caught Matthew Hayden out for a duck in under-12s at Tabinga School Oval in 1982. Bold Paul Virgo. Awesome bowling. My greatest cricket achievement. Did you think that this Hayden bloke, he's not, not much shop, didn't see anything in, in his innings that impressed me? Caught him out. Can't see him going on to bigger and better things, Matthew Hayden. Wow. So that's great claim to fame, Tony. You caught out Matthew Hayden for a duck. The under-12s at Tabinga School Oval 1982. Well done, uh, Paul Virgo, who got the wicket. Do you reckon still every year he talks about how he got Matt Hayden out in the under-12s? Couldn't get it off the square, this bloke. Don't know how he ever played for Australia. Our next guest, I know how he played for Australia because he's one of the best spinners in the country. Now, tonight, the Big Bash action continues between the Renegades and the Brisbane Heat. The Brisbane Heat, top of the table at the moment. The Renegades looking to notch their first win. It'll be played under the roof of Marvel Stadium. I'm pleased to say, Matty Kuhneman, always key for the Heat, and he's on the line right now. Morning, Matt. Morning, guys. How are you? Going very well. I just thought that was funny. So a bloke's texted in today, said, oh, yeah, under 12s, Matty Hayden caught him out for a duck, the sort of claim to fame, and he wants the ball because we're talking about, you know, Chrissy presents, things like that. You know, is, is, can you think of, you know, a bit of sporting memorabilia or something you'd love to cherish to put up at the man cave at home that you'd like to unwrap on Christmas Day, Matty? Oh, about my, my own personal stuff, it's probably the, the day you agree. No, that's just anything. Just anything. You know, it could be Warney's hat trick ball, for example. Could be anything. I've got a, um, when I went to the game, I remember watching Mitchell Johnson to burn. He, he signed one of my, my hats. Uh, I've still got that, which is pretty pretty cool. But um, we have a, a new guy into our squad, uh, Callum Vidlay, a young fellow. He's probably 18 years old. And he, he his first tour ride with us um, uh, yesterday. And he came and showed me a photo when he was probably 10 years old. And we got a photo with me. And I've gone. So that's pretty cool. But it sort of shows I'm getting a little bit older now. So, yeah, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you're a little bit older, I'm 80. Oh, you mentioned there Callum Vidler. He's 18, this young quit. What, what can you tell us yeah. about him? He just bowls fast, just raw pace. I think um, Billings came down a bit wounded to, uh, yesterday because um, Vidler was bowling a new ball and sort of got him a couple of times in the in the stomach. So he's bruised up, but he bowls real fast and is a is a is a great person. And um, no, the boys are loving his company at the moment. Speaking of quicks, uh, Spencer Johnson, Matty, uh, has it been made very clear to Spencer that it's his shout next time out? I'm literally, I'm about 20 metres away from Spencer at a cafe and he does know that this every, uh, I think through every meal for the rest of the big batch is shouted by himself. <laughs> yeah, but, but good on him too. It's great reward, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite the rise. He made his debut earlier this year, hit the scene. But, but that is the power of the Big Bash platform, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. No, it's awesome for Spencer. It's um, that's very exciting news for himself and his and his family. So that's no, well deserved. He's an absolute gun. It's, he bowls, swings, bowls 140 kilometres with a um, left arm, swings the ball. So um, it's well deserved. And um, so hopefully you get to see him firing um, today. So I think he'll be a little bit, he'll be uh, pretty pumped up tonight and for the rest of the tournament. The sixth season of Big Bash for you, uh, reduced number of games this year. It really, I mean, the Brisbane Heat, probably the knock on your side, Matty, is that you've been slow starters notoriously in the past couple of seasons. You've gone win through a win, had that washout in Adelaide. But, you know, given that there's less games, uh, it, it adds even more importance to getting out of the blocks early. Yeah, definitely. I think that comes down to our, just the, another year of experience for the boys. We had a fairly young team last year, so... Um, for the boys to go and play finals and, uh, and get that experience and, um, and have the same overseas again in Billings and Munro, uh, that definitely helps. And I think a bit of credit goes to the support staff and coach as well for, the, for their planning throughout the, um, the off-season. So, um, you know, it's the same thing, but it's only two games, so it's still very early in the season for us. So we sort of just got to build on that momentum and try and hold on to it and get a few more wins. You know, there's always an appetite for left arm. Um finger spinners in white ball cricket in particular and obviously test cricket and we can talk about the India tour in a moment but your figures against the Stars, one for 17 Thunder two for 18, very impressive I'm always curious as to how you know different types of spinners work in tandem and your relationship with Mitch Swepson and how the two of you operate for the for the, uh, for the Heat uh, Yes, I'll, I love playing with Swepson, I think we've, we've sort of been bowling in that together for about 10 years so I've spent a lot of time with Swepson um, and it's, it's fantastic being bowling so well. So um, I think my my role to his is is, uh, is is fairly fairly different, even though we spin the ball the same way. But he's sort of more of an attacking option, comes and take wickets, and then I'm, I might have to bowl some to my wrist throughout the late stages of the game to try and contain runs, and that's sort of how I get my wickets as well, trying to be um, quite defensive. So uh, no, when the boys are... I think we talk with the bowling group at the collective, um, Fast bowls and tackle wickets up front. It, um, it gives Swepo the license to sort of tack and bowl his um, bag of tricks in the, in the middle overs, and I can sort of come in and bowl in tandem with him from the other end. But, but no, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic bowler. Speaking of bag of tricks, you would have added to your bag of tricks. I mean, I can imagine what sort of experience would it have been to, to play Test cricket in India. It's, you know, the toughest tour on the planet. Your five-wicket haul for yourself, Matty, at indoor. You did get to pick the brains of the great Ravindra Jadeja afterwards. What did you learn, firstly from him, but just more generally about your experience and how did it improve your game coming back to Australia? Uh, yeah, that was an amazing trip away. Um, I think it was hard to sort of... Um, so I all went over there. Sort of when I came back from um, England a couple of months later, I had the chance to sort of sit down and just reflect on all that's when I started 
sort of learning um, all of my experiences. So, you know, Zadeja was, was fantastic. He went out of his way to help me and just talked about a, a few things in my action and um, and sort of the game planning around around situations. So, but the, probably the main thing I sort of took away was sharing the changing with the Aussie guys because they're a very experienced and uh, team and they're just they're, they're legends as well of the game. So, to sort of sit next to Steve Smith and Paddy and Warner and stuff was um, yeah it was something I'll never never forget. Pretty impressive, wasn't it? It's a hard team to crack. I mean, some of the all-time greats of Australian cricket. You would have watched closely Nathan Lyon taking his 500th. I mean, you think you're getting on. I mean, Nathan's got probably 10 years on you, I'd say, Matty. But, I mean, phenomenal, isn't it? What was it like playing with Nathan, being in the dressing room with Nathan? And what do you pick up from him? Because at a 500 test wickets, it doesn't look like he's slowing down. Pat Cummins says you wouldn't write him off getting a 700. He, he seems just indestructible. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, I don't think he's flying anytime soon. He's bowling as, as good as ever, I think. Personally, I think when it was a uh, when I was, I was watching him bowl quite closely in, in the Ashes, um, and just the way the ball was coming out for him was was, uh, was like was very good. So um, he was a legend. He sort of took me up myself and Todd Murphy under under his wing when we went over to India. So um, no, we're very lucky to have someone with that experience and that skill set um, over in the team. Sort of helped me heaps. So um, now the bit. That, one of the first tips he sort of gave me was was about the DRS and how to use the DRS and don't get your emotion, don't get emotions into it. So sure enough, I'm my first my first wicket I get on oh, not my first wicket I get my one of my first few overs I get I uh, hit one of the batsmen on the pad and sure enough my emotion got into it. And I said yeah, golf says and it, and it wasn't out but um, but no, Gaz is a good good fella. Well, it's funny you should say that. I wonder if he headed his own advice because his test wicket 500 was a DRS. I think he said that uh, Paddy Cummins didn't want to go upstairs. I bet he's glad that he maybe let his emotion decide because it was the right decision in the end. Yeah, he sort of he, he's very smart, um, Mark. God, not just for spin bowling, but for all aspects of the game. So he's sort of he's sort of bang on when he when he thinks something out, it's probably going to be out. He's a lot better than me. Well, I think everything's out. <laughs> He defeated the Renegades, uh, tonight's opponents, in the knockout, the second round of the finals, Marvel Stadium. Uh, what do you have to do to win tonight? Uh, they, have a, they have a world-class team. I think the biggest um, threat up, is up top with Quick and Cox. So um, I sort of just tapped Spencer on the shoulder before. I said, if you, can, if you can deal with him, that'd be much appreciated. But no, they've got a, a very solid <laughs> team, very good batting lineup, bowling lineup. So it's going to be a cracking game. Yeah, no doubt they'll uh, think that the Renegades or the wicket there at Marvel Stadium will be a bit more friendly than the one they got at Geelong. I will let you go, Matty. Uh, make sure Spencer Johnson covers the cost of your coffee and your brekkie. Best of luck tonight against the Renegades. Well, thank you very much, mate. There is uh, Matty Kuhneman from the Brisbane Heat. Good man. But how good that? What about the experience? Go to India. Baptism of fire for a young spinner. Gets the best players to spin on the planet. Gets a fifer but learns from the likes of Nathan Lyon, Ravindra Jadeja. And this is what I love about cricket. They, they share that intelligence. There's no selfishness. Shane Warne was like that. Anybody that goes, how do you do this? You just show them. He never hid his bag of tricks from anybody. You know, this is for the better of the game. So you hear him ball live tonight. The Renegades and the Brisbane Heat gets underway 6, 6 no, 6.15. Queensland time, 7.15 local time. 0457-736-736. You're on SEN Summer Mornings. Spencer Johnson shout, not bad. Got well over. What do you get, Spencer Johnson? At the end, he got what? Uh, 1.78 million at this week's IPL auction. So Stark 4.43 million. Pat Cummins 3.67 million. Spencer Johnson 1.78.
if you don't mind. 0457 736 736. Brad, uh, thank you for your help. Regarding the watermelon cut, Jules, a quarter of it first makes it a lot easier. So rather than sort of go through the middle, so you can just sort of wedge, sort of chuck it, well, even a quarter's a lot, but even say an eighth, just cut out a wedge. And so do it in wedges rather than bang, half in one go. I'll try that next time I buy a whole watermelon. Thank you, Brad. I'm all ears for any of your pro watermelon cutting tips. Uh, go Queensland, says Ben Darren Lockyer, Jersey from Game Free 2006 when he smashed New South Wales hearts in that intercept. Love it, eight straight and 11 out of 12. <laughs> no, you certainly nailed your colours to the mask. Mast, that's a good one. Uh, Jules. Oh, Stingray's back in touch here. Yeah, would have been the late 90s. He used to $25 to go and buy five more packs of cards. You know, I remember once getting footy cards back when I used to collect them. And I kid you not, in a couple of packets, I literally got the entire Penrith team. The entire Penrith team. Paul Smith and, and Brandy and all this. So how good is this? So I wonder what the odds were that of that were happening. So I pretty much had a whole team in two packs of cards. You never know what you're going to get. It's like the box of chocolate, Stingray. But suffice to say, you couldn't get Warney's signature on the hat-trick card again. And I'm really, really sad for you. As up from DY, warning to you, as the next choice for Aussie opener, Jules, has big ramifications for future player choices. If they go with Green, for example, and not Bancroft, Harris, Renshaw, it sends a message that Sheffield Shield form is now irrelevant. Uh, yes and no, but ben, uh, Cameron Green had a pretty decent Sheffield Shield form, which got him into the team in the first place. I think what it is, and Ricky Bonney made the point, well, you're not just picking this opener for the two tests against the West Indies in Adelaide in Brisbane, as a. You're thinking beyond that. The future tours of, of England and New Zealand and India and the rest of it. But it might be horses for courses. I don't see why you can't, for example, pick Green for the two tests against West Indies and then somebody else if need be. For, I mean, having said that, I mean, you might always also say, well, you've got to give them the chance to, to make their way back to the team, give them a hit against what you assume are going to be very winnable tests against a poorer bowling attack. Find your feet, fill a ball out of the middle of the bat, get some runs for Australia, add to your confidence and nail down that spot. But I just have this feeling, I don't know, I don't know, and I'm a Renshaw fan, but I just have this feeling that they want somebody that can go somewhere near the rate of David Warner. Harris maybe could do it. Renshaw not really bankrupt. I mean, they're okay, but they're not going to go at 70 runs per 100 balls. But that's the thing, because it works so well, that, that relationship that he has in tandem with Usman Kawada at the top of the order. So I think strike rate is going to be a big, big factor as of what it comes to deciding who the next Australian opener is. But we'll watch with great interest. Suffice to say, Warner will, barring injury... Plays last test match at the SCG. And I know Ian Healy had said on this network, well, you know, and even Michael Clark's come out. So do you have those conversations? Say, look, I know you said you were going to retire, but you know, do you maybe stick around a bit longer? You know, you can't hang on to him forever. It's as good a time as any now to move on from David Warner. Jules, have you noticed that seedless watermelons still have little white seeds? It's a rot. Is that like saying, you know, just jeans sell shirts, Matty? Potentially. But they're not the big, you know, the, the black seeds that you sort of... Little spit out at the end. Jules talking footy cards. Remember the year the cards had the jigsaw puzzle of the Raiders on the back? Wish I still had that set. It would be worth a few dollars now, said Berkeley Eagle. That's interesting. Quick call before the news headlines. Morning to you, Mike. Oh. Hello, Mike. Oh, g'day, mate. Yeah, sorry. It's a bit of a glitch on the line there. I, I just wanted to get your opinion on the um, end down policy with, um, you know, the last few players, I think 
about approximately half of them have ended up being found not guilty. Is the NRL going to sort of just revisit how they're they're handling that? Have you heard anything, or could we get somebody on from the NRL? Because you know, whatever you know, innocent until proven. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get that. I get that. But I mean, the charges are at the same time. Even if it hasn't gone to court, I mean, some of the actions of the players have potential to to greatly bring the game into disrepute. So I understand why they do yep. it. You know, Jack DeBellin, well, people say yep. it, was in, it wasn't innocent. The case got thrown out, so that's debatable. Junior Ramon, well, he was found guilty. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah. look, I haven't heard anything, um, Mike. I don't see why they would revisit it at this no. point in time. Well, well, Leilua was one where, you know, the guy, yes. let's face it, the cops turned up on the day and said, oh, no, don't worry about it. You know, it's all good. Mm. Um, he got married in between. And, you know, I just think, it's not working out like I think they they planned it would. Well, they don't have to enact it very often either, do they, Mike? And which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? I, I don't know. Maybe it's a part of the stick approach to encourage or remind players that they have responsibility to their employers, to themselves, of course, but to their employers off the field to behave in an exemplary fashion. Uh, I don't know what else I can really yeah, add to that at the moment. Yes, Mike. No, would you and I get suspended if if we got charged with something? Would we get suspended uh, from our job? Maybe. Maybe. Some people might even get sacked from the job. I don't know. Uh, look, that's that's an issue for each individual I- employer, Mike. Uh, thank you, Mike, for your call. Got a flight? Let's get the news headlines. Mortlake Tiger says, Morning, Jules. I don't care what anyone says. Cameron Green is a myth, but for some reason the media kept talking him up, has done nothing. Lucky to be in the squad. Cameron Green is absolutely not a myth. You ask anyone in the know, he'll be a generational player for Australia. You know what? We're talking about gifts that you'd like under the Christmas tree today. I tell you what, I wouldn't mind. A few ponting wines, beautifully wrapped. Sip on a couple of those Christmas Day or you park yourself on the couch the Boxing Day test in air-conditioned comfort. Couldn't think of much better. Let's catch up with David Greenwich, the co-founder of Ponting Wines, is on the line right now. Morning, David. Morning, Julian. How are you? Mate, I'm going very, very well. What's on the uh, What's on the agenda come Christmas for you? Oh, post-Christmas, we're off down to Tasmania to do the Taste of Summer festival that's on down Beautiful. there. Beautiful. So we'll be... Uh, showing our range of Tasmanian wines uh, at that show while Ricky's uh, down at the Boxing Day test. Mate, it sounds delightful. I haven't been to Tasmania since 2016 after Australia had that, that horrible test match against South Africa. I need to get back down there and I need to have a happier memory. So Tasmania's Taste of Summer event, December 27 to, to January 6. So that's the thing. I mean, in Australia, it's such a varied climate. We're producing some of the best wines on the planet for that very reason. And you're going to be selling a Tasmanian collection of wines, including... Tell us about the Ponting Mowbray Boy Pinot Noir 2022. So the Mowbray Boy, um, obviously the story behind that comes off the back of Ricky's um, famous youth playing cricket down in the uh, at the Mowbray Cricket Club. Scored several centuries as an 11-year-old playing in the under-13 competitions and then as an 11-year-old playing the under-16. So he thought it was apt to call it the Mowbray Boy. The, the Pinot Noir comes out of the Coal River Valley. Uh, we've gone through we've been to about our third vintage now and... Uh, yeah, we've got several gold medals to date on that wine and it's been quite popular. 
Oh, I love a good Pinot Noir. I didn't get into them, funnily enough, David, until probably the last five or so years. Just was looking for something, if you like a red, because, you know, traditionally Australia, it's always struck, you know, heavy Shirazes, big beefy reds, but something yeah. a bit lighter. And that's the thing about Tasmania with that cooler climate, it produces really nice Pinot Noirs. Yeah, the, the Pinot Noir in Australia, like Shiraz has always been the, the driver of the Australian wine industry, but the growth of Pinot Noir over recent years is has been huge and, and Tasmania has been fueling a lot of that. It's really uh. a trendy area to be sort of purchasing, you know, wine out of particularly a Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and, and those sort of varietals. So, yeah, we're pretty lucky to have the vineyard access to the vineyards that we do and, um, yeah, producing some great wine out of, out of Tassie. And I'm thinking about... You know, obviously, you think about long, hot summers in Australia around Christmas time and, and the heat, and it's a nice summer drinking wine as well. So uh, picture yourself here, David. It could be Christmas Day or, or Boxing Day, and you, you crack open the, the Mowbray Boy Pinot Noir 2022. What, what could you have it with? Oh, Pinot Noir you know, traditionally goes with duck. I'm not sure if that goes real well with a, a Boxing Day test match. But, um, <laughs> Why not? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah, it does. Right. In, in the corporate suites, which you like to frequent, David, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the Australians won't be hoping for too many ducks. But, um, the, yeah, I mean, any red meat goes well. And like you say, in the hot weather, you can put a little bit of a chill on a Pinot and still uh, mm. enjoy it over summer. So... Yeah, it's a really versatile uh, varietal that I think um, shows why it's sort of growing in popularity in Australia. So a bit of duck. Uh, I love duck. Absolutely love duck. Don't know why we don't eat more of it. So duck and a nice Mowbray Boy Pinot Noir. So uh, Tasmania's Taste of Summer event from December 27 to Jan 6. Uh, can anyone just sort of to rock up if they want there, David? Is, is it a ticketed event? Yeah, it's a ticketed event. Tickets are online at tasteofsummer.com.au. Um, mm. It previously was called Taste of Tasmania. It's been going for a number of years now. And obviously off the back of the Sydney to Hobart, there's some nice crowds and some good local yeah. acts and good local food as well as you know, our wine. So, yeah, it should be a good event. It should indeed be a good event. I just noticed, and I'll ask you this too, I saw the promotion on, on Seven Cricket. Apparently Ricky can't tie a tie. Can you confirm that yeah, for us, David? <laughs> I, uh, most of the events that we've done together are off the back of a day at the cricket. So he's tied, beautifully tied. So I've never had to uh, fix it up for him. But, yeah, I saw, I saw that activity <laughs> this morning on the Channel 7 uh, uh, social media. And, yeah, I'll have to quiz him about that. But, uh, that was quite funny. Yeah. So the great, the uh, great RT Ponting, age 11, four <laughs> centuries to the Mowbray under-13s and five-day Tasmanian cricket tournament. Still, at this tender age, cannot tie. A tie. Probably doesn't need to, of course. You know, hot summer, kick back, no tie, and knock back a couple of the Ponting Murray Bray Boy Pinot Noir 2022 wines. And a great promotion too for our listeners here. Uh, the code SEN, you use the code SEN at checkout. You get free delivery on all orders. The best thing to do, go to the website pontingwines.com.au, pontingwines.com.au, and use the code SEN for our listeners. Free delivery on all orders and check out the Ponting Mowbray Boy Pinot Noir 2022. Great to catch up. Happy Christmas, David. You too, Julian. Thank you. Here is David Credich, the Ponting Wines co-founder. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind a Pinot. don't mind a Pinot at all. You know, you can have it slightly chilled, but have it with duck. Anyone having duck on the agenda? Is that on the menu for Christmas Day? Does anyone sort of escape that, you know, the ham and a lot of people do roast turkey with turkey? 
dreadfully overrated meat or the roast pork. And everyone's the crackling expert, of course. But sometimes really, really hot days, you don't want heavy roasts. And so the alternative is to go for, you know, so prawns and maybe like a mango salad, something like that. Roast chickens and ham. Yeah, it's traditional. It gets a bit boring, though, doesn't it? I would have thought. Anyway, just a thought. But duck. I could make an exception for duck and a nice Pinot Noir. And of course, beer. 0457736736. Dave the Tiger. Morning, big fella. You big fella'd me, Dave. That's almost like as bad as calling me champ. If there's a Chrissy present I'd have, it would be Mick Dewan's helmet or Lane Beachley's surfboard. Be tough one to wrap and put under the tree, though, wouldn't it? Lane Beachley's surfboard. Mick Dewan's helmet would be good. Helmets cost a pretty penny, too. Years and years ago, uh, on another network, when I was doing a sports memorabilia segment, and we had a bloke that had an Ayrton Senna helmet. I don't know if it was race warm, but it was one of his helmets and it was signed by him. That thing is worth an absolute mozza. And of course, because because Senna's passed away, but but helmets, they are really, really expensive. So that's not a bad one. Robin Blacktown, morning, Robbo. Kingy, uh, I would love the Aloisi penalty shootout ball that got us to the 2006 World Cup. I was at that game that night. Greatest live sporting event I've ever attended, Rob. And I just don't, and I've been a grandfather, I just don't see how that can be beaten, given the context and the history of it all. Phenomenal. Dan, bizarre man cave, Stephen Bradbury's ice skate that he won the miracle gold with. Well, I'll take that over the iron bar that Tonya Harding's crew used to kneecap Nancy Kerrigan. That was all a bit a bit dark, wasn't it? Uh, Jules loves the D. Thank you, Northmead, as in the Dragons. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Tony, are still, you're still the clubhouse leader. Caught out Matthew Hayden for a duck. Uh, and this one, this would be even tough to put under the tree. Tougher to put under the tree, Simon, than Lane Beachley surfboard. For Christmas, Jules, I'd like the winged keel from Australia too, America's Cup 83. Should be no problem wrapping it. <laughs> That's a lot of wrapping paper. And, you, you know, you can't skimp on the wrapping paper. You buy that cheap stuff and it just tears really, really easily. And then this one here from the Big G. Good morning to you. Merry Christmas, Jules. I'd like to get the ball used in the first New South Wales Rugby League game played in Sydney in 1908. Okay. Not sure that ball's still around. I'd love to know. Or maybe it is. I'm not really sure. And all right, Jeff. I'm reluctantly reading yours out. Nadia Comaneci's leotard worn when she executed the perfect 10 at the Olympics. <laughs> Good Lord. You people have vivid imaginations. I'll leave it at that. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Breaking back with more. For Christmas jewels, I'd like Jamie Soward's headgear from the 2010 Grand Final. And we've got a few, actually. I'd like to find a Broncos that works every Friday night and buy them a season ticket. for McHugh loves sticking into the Broncos and their favoured Friday night scheduling. And another one here. Steve Walters' last ever game-worn Raiders jersey. Signed by the whole team, purchased from his ex-wife. Also have a piece of Dick Johnson's Green's Tough Falcon that hit the tree at Forest Elbow, signed by Dick when I met him. Good on you, John. Very specific. Very specific. And Merry Christmas, JK. Uh, something I already have is, is signed and framed Queensland once off jersey with all the shields of the eight straight embroidered. It's the Ducks, you know what, has all the players' signatures on it. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be very, very nice. And Ryan says, Morning, Jules. Many happy returns for our broad church and your family. And yes, confit duck, duck fat roasted kiplers. Oh, stop it. Steamed green beans with garlic love. Yeah, baby tar, Chef Ryan. Well, it sounds like you know what you're talking about, Chef Ryan. You're welcome to our place to whip up a storm and then I'll shout you a Pinot or a beer. 0457 736 736. The fun doesn't stop because after midday in New South Wales at 11 o'clock in Queensland, 
the great Daniel's son, Daniel Garb, <laughs> is with me right now. Hello, Garby. Hello, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Okay. Bit of sporting memorabilia, mm. something you'd love to unwrap on Christmas Day. Because, you know, you, you get a bit older, but the thing about Christmas, you still sort of summons that inner child, don't you? You want that excitement when you unwrap a gift. So you don't want the socks and undies. It's all handy, but you want something that that really gets the juices flowing. Yeah, so I'm trying to think uh, off the tangent a little bit. I wouldn't mind Mark Philippus's racket that he beat Pete Sampras with in 96 at the Aussie Open in straight sets. Not bad, not bad. That was a memorable moment. Oh, mate, he just absolutely blew him away. Lost to Mark And then he lost to Mark Woodford. (laughs) (laughs) With all the scuds going to win the Aussie Open. I mean, he's just beaten Sampras in three. This is oh, a lock. Wow. But that was a memorable moment for me as a 13-year-old. Uh, mm. I mean, it's an obvious one, but John Aloisi's shirt, which wasn't on his back for very long after he stuck that no. winning penalty in the back of the net against uh, Uruguay, of course, at Stadium Australia. That would be a memorable one. Uh, maybe the ball that Herschel Gibbs dropped <laughs> at mid-wicket, <laughs> clipped for a yeah. Stephen Waugh, and then we went on Stephen to win the 99 Moore, yeah. World Cup. That ball would be a memorable one. I think there's three yeah. pretty good nominations, Jules. Outstanding reckon? nominations. <laughs> I'm, I'm stunned they haven't been mentioned. Yeah, Aloisi should have had the number 15, which is my number two. So All right. I've actually, well, that's I've why he wore it, I'm told, Jules. Apparently so. Um, well, I've actually got the commemorative jersey from that night with the embroidery. Australia-Uruguay World Cup qualifier. Awesome. It's, I think, and of all the, the subsequent Socceroos games I've been to, I reckon I've seen it maybe on three or four people. Yeah, and that's it. That's it, because I was working in a shoe store in Ringham Mall at the time, and there's a Nike shop next to me, and, and John Greco has gone on to become a bit of a a, um, a journalist in football circles. He was mm. there, and they got a, a limited edition boxing. He says, Jules, I'll keep one for you. So literally the next day, I went, bought it, didn't even make it to the shelf. But that is a prized possession <laughs> for me. What is happening after midday today, Garby? Plenty. Plenty. So later on this Arvo, about 2.30 Sydney time, 1.30 Brisbane time, Clarius Amir is going to join us. Now, he may not mean much to you right now, but I reckon he will in the future. 18 years of age, the youngest player to be offered a long-term deal by the Sydney Kings, six foot seven guard. Plenty of offers to go to college in the States. Said, no, thank you very much. I want to go to the NBL. That's the best place to develop right now. So I reckon he's a name to keep an eye on. And he'll come into the studio, in fact, after uh, 2.30 Sydney time to uh, have a bit of chat about all things Sydney Kings and his burgeoning careers. Looking forward to that. Great. Mark Rudin from Western Sydney Wanderers will join us. Massive game Marco. on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. They take on... Uh, his old club, the Phoenix, across the ditch, who, let me tell you, aren't too fond of Mark Rudin after he walked out on them <laughs> to go coach Western United. But it's first against yeah. third. So Rudes will be uh, interesting. We may have Graham Arnold on, just waiting on confirmation, but the wow. Socceroos coach may join us for That's a chat. Fish. Asian Cup yeah. squad gets announced tomorrow. Um, but it's looking likely that Arnie will join us. Did, uh, did the mess Luongo retirement surprise you, Garby? A little bit, yeah, but I understand why. Uh, we'll delve into that a bit on the show. But, um, look, he was he got the rough end of the stick of the 2018 World Cup. Should have played in those games under Bert van Marwijk. His form leading into it was arguably the best of any soccer room. For some reason, Bert just left him on the bench for the entire World Cup. He was devastated by that. Then he sort of was on the fringes of the team for a while, wasn't getting much club football, had injury problems. And now, is, it, is that Ipswich who are top of the championship? And he's thinking, well, why step away from that for the Socceroos at the Asian Cup? As much as it would have been a difficult decision, he's over 30, young family. I can understand why he's prioritising 
uh, his personal situation ahead of the Socceroos when basically he was left on the sidelines um, at, a, at a time when he was flourishing. It, it makes sense to me, but so that doesn't mean that there's bad blood between Mass and the Socceroos. I'm sure it's all um, understandable from both sides. Uh, and also, Harrison Endicott's going to join us, Jules. Oh, fantastic, Spoke yes. Spoke to him this morning from the United States. He's won through to the PGA Tour from Q School for full playing rights, beat 150 players. So that got me thinking, because I reckon Q School is as tough as it gets in terms of sporting contests. What are the other contests in sport that are the most brutal to win, be it physical, be it mental, mm. the most difficult challenges in sport? Join us on the uh, the open line and uh, the text line as well because uh, I'd love to get people's nominations on that. Fantastic. We'll be tuning in very shortly. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, mate. Had a lot of fun on the program today. We'll tidy up the text line before we say sayonara and hand the reins over to Daniel Garb. Uh, might have Graham Arnold on the show. These again. Uh, talking about the, the nice pieces of sporting memorabilia, stuff you'd love to unwrap on Christmas Day. So you can feel like a kid again. Uh, Jules, Glenn Maxwell's 200 bat greatest innings ever. Tony says, I want the cricket ball that Bancroft was holding before he went and used sandpaper on it. <laughs> Some twisted, twisted minds on the program today. Jim, Bob, I'll read this out because you know I read out just about every text when I can. But this is really unkind. Any time of year, let alone this time of year. For Christmas, Jules... I want the St George 2024 wooden spoon, please. Can a bit ahead of yourself, Jim Bob. We're going to make the eight. You can write that down. Write it down. Uh, Merry Christmas. Jules, I'm guarding an original Don Bradman bat, which is roughly 90 years old. Uh, Blake Grandfather's Happy New Year's, mate. We'll speak to him in the new year. Good on you, Brett. Thank you so much. And uh, one more before we go. Underrated Aussie sports people. This would make a great Who Am I? 25, third-ranked singles player, currently world number 45, moving up 100 places last year or so. Triple Grand Slam doubles finalist one time. When are you talking about Max Purcell? Good on you, Mike. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution to the program today. To Rob Quiney, Laurie Horace, Jalen Galloway, Matt Cooney, David Krenich to Maestro on the buttons to 2am Tommy. I'm Julian King. Thank you for your company this morning. Back to do it again one more time tomorrow before Christmas. Have a great day. Bye-bye.